You're listening to The Football Pod, conveniently loca- located at thefootballpod.com. Some of you actually may be listening via our old site, Q's Fantasy, and the iTunes connection there. I published to both sites this week, so you guys can get used to the fact that we're doing most of the podcasting on the new site now. Uh, as usual, we're coming to you from our awesome studio at Syracuse Technologies. You can talk to Syracuse Technologies for your own IT services and or consulting needs, including audiovisual stuff like all the help they do for me with the podcast and the website. So check out QSTech.com. That's QSTech.com. Now. To get things started properly at thefootballpod.com, I wanted to do a really fun show for you guys. It's Monday, August 28th. College football season sort of started this past weekend with a few games, but nothing huge on the schedule. The college season traditionally gets going Labor Day weekend, so with that, less than a week away, we're going to talk college football futures for 2017. Uh, that's, how we'll, that's how we'll preview the season, essentially. Uh, and to do that, I had to bring in the best college football resource I know, so welcome back to the studio, Kevin Conboy. Hey, thanks, Sam. Glad to be here. And uh, really looking forward to the start of college football. Um, it's sad when summer ends, but at least the real, the real fun begins with college football as signaling the end of summer. So we're, we're excited, and I'm, I'm glad never to be sad. here. I'm never sad when summer ends. Well, you know, I, a lot of people feel you, that way too, but I, I... You get a little sad. I get a little sad. You like summertime. I like summer. Yeah. You like boats and lakes and things like that more than I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna do futures, which is a really fun conversation as a way to um, basically preview the season because that that's a great driver for just discussing each team's potential success or failure. Um, so, if you're not familiar with what that is, um, Kevin, futures are uh, and I, I have to always give this my stupid little uh, disclaimer. Um, since it's a gambling term, and if you live in a state like New York, like me, um, you know, your, your uh, fine politicians would tell you not to gamble. So uh, don't gamble if it's illegal. If you walk into a Vegas casino, however, where it is legal, um, you can place a bet on something called a future, which is the expected number of wins for that team that season. And we're going to get started here in the Pac-12 in a second. And Stanford's future is nine and a half wins, meaning if you bet them to win that many, they would have to win 10 to cover that and you'd win. If they only win nine games this season, you would lose. Um, And so it's a pretty simple concept, but I think really uh, gambling terminology aside, what we can use it for is just... uh, a fun way to talk about expectations for college football teams and conferences this year. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that, that you look at, like you said, even if you're not gambling, Vegas is so spot on in so many ways when it comes to spreads, you know, lines for games. Yep. And, it, and they're right on a lot of times with these futures. It's pretty rare that a team will really blow out the number one way or the other, whether they have a, a failing season or, or a beyond expectations type of season that's so beyond what the line was. So to your point, I think it's a great um, great way to set that expectation for what you can expect for your team that year. And it'll be interesting with these teams that we're going to look at today, you know, obviously we're going to make our picks and we'll, we'll keep track of that uh, for entertainment purposes only, of course, exactly. if anyone from New York State Legislature is listening. But you guys are great, by the way. <laughs> New York politicians, right. you're doing such a great job. The best, so. the but, best. And glad you're listening to the podcast. Yeah, and if you could raise our taxes, that'd be great because I feel like <laughs> I'm not awesome contributing too. enough. 
But, uh, but I think it'll be fun to even just look at what the lines were for these teams that we're looking at and just say, okay, how spot on was Vegas with these, these teams in yeah. general? So those are things that we can look at. But like you said, if you happen to be swinging through Vegas in the next, well, basically the next few days. Next few days. Um, and you want to place a wager, hopefully some of the information that we'll give you here today will be helpful for that. And, you know, this is fun because we were uh, we were at a party together on 4th of July and we started talking about some theories and things on how you play these. And that's when I got the idea that we, and you and I were talking about a few specific teams that we're going to talk about tonight. But that's how I got the idea. You know, we really we, we could really preview college football season starting with the futures and let that all the discussion we need can stem from that. And college football, I think. I think you would agree more than any other sport, um, not not just because the regular season matters so much more, but the futures matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what I the example I would use is or compare it to is basketball. Uh, everybody knows that uh, LeBron James goes to the conference finals every year or the the NBA finals really. So whether he's playing in Miami or Cleveland, you know wherever he's playing, you could look at the future, the over under. And Vegas could say, Cleveland should win 58 and a half games this year. If he goes balls out and has an MVP season and they win 64, well, great. They they crushed it and they got the one seed and they're going to the playoffs. If they have a shitty regular season and they only win 50 games and they don't even come close, they're still going to the playoffs because everyone makes it. So right. if you know what you're doing and you place that bet one way or the other, you, you could do well – but it doesn't really directly correlate to if that team had a good season or not. Whereas the futures that we talk about for college football, um, Alabama's the best example because I think I, I saw they were at eleven and a half today. So they're right. <laughs> Vegas yeah. is saying they're either going twelve and zero or eleven and one would be a, a subpar season for them. So yeah. so these numbers really are an indicator for for success potentially. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Completely agree and. I mean, there's there's some big numbers that, that we'll talk about today, and Alabama obviously is one of them, um, where you sit there and you look at their schedule and you know they're going to be good. And you know yeah. the SEC is is weaker than it has been. You know, the last few years it's been kind of progressively getting weaker, I think, overall. Outside of Tuscaloosa. Outside of Alabama, yes, absolutely, of Tuscaloosa. But, but you still look at that schedule, and right out front you have a big game that we'll talk about sure. here as we get into them. I mean, that could be – you're over under for the year because exactly. after that game, they should potentially win the rest of their games, and they'll be Other favored, than, and they'll be favored every game. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely, they won't be an underdog, barring something crazy, no injury, you know, something happening that we don't know about. They won't be an underdog, right? Yeah, we're only, of course, going on what we know today and not playing. I mean, we are playing hypothetical, but we don't, you know, of course, injuries can play a role and all those things, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's pretty tough. I mean, when you look at those lines, I mean, when you get up into the 10, 11, it's so that's, hard. That's brutal. Even, <laughs> even uh, nine and a half. Oh yeah. Because then a nine and three season is, is under. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and that you know, and that's the other thing for people that aren't used to that. When we talk about these halves, uh, if an over under is set at say ten, then Vegas is telling you every college football team plays twelve regular season games. We don't include bowl games and conference championship games in these numbers. So. If they say the number's 10, they're expecting the team to go 10 and 2 
And if it lands right on 10, you don't win or lose the bet. It's a push. It's, exa- yeah. it's a push. It's exactly what Vegas said would happen. When it's at that half, which I like. Me too. That means there is no push. You're going to win or lose because there's no such thing as half a win. Right. So Absolutely. All right. All of that being said, what we'll do is we will take you guys uh, from – we're going to go – we're going to start far from home. Uh, for those of you that are local, you know, we're in, in uh, Syracuse, New York. We're going to start on the West Coast. We're going to work our way back to the ACC. We're going to do it conference by conference. So we are going to start in the Pac-12. And we're going to start with an interesting one, Stanford, who actually, uh, they're 1-0. and they, they crushed Rice, I believe, in Australia, Kevin? Is that right? It was. It was in Australia, yeah. So um, there's this new thing, by the way, where college football last year, I think it was only one game mm-hmm. the Saturday before. The, the, you know, the, the Saturday before Labor Day weekend last year, there was one game. Right. This year, there are about five or six of them. And Stanford was certainly the biggest name playing. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, I think actually maybe maybe the only Power Five team playing. They were. Top. Okay. Yep. So um, I, I, I was keeping an eye on a few of those. Uh, BYU, not particularly that impressive against a, 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 a pretty weak opponent. Um, Stanford crushed Rice, but mm-hmm. we expect that. Uh, and then uh, Oregon State is a Power 5 team, but they lost at uh, Colorado State. Oh, but, that's true. Yeah, right. But anyway, um, let's talk about Stanford. So big win, but everybody expected that. And what's really interesting is on uh, on five dimes where I was getting our futures numbers earlier today, you can still bet on Stanford. The number is 9.5, mm-hmm. and even though they played a game and they're off to 1-0, right. they're still taking your bets on it because um, because everybody knew Stanford would crush Rice. So. Nine and a half is the number, and with this first one, I think one of the things that you and I can do um, is kind of talk about methodologies for for looking at that. And so Vegas is saying they're going to win nine and a half games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll I'll just I'll go first briefly, and then I'll I'll let you jump in. What I do um, if, when I'm looking at that number one, Vegas expects them to have a pretty good season, nine ten wins. Um, number two, as far as a wager goes, and again, this is just for fun, but as far as a wager goes, what I like to do is add up what I think are just what I call losable games. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did is I looked at the schedule and I said, okay, at USC, tough mm-hmm. game. UCLA could be a tough game. At Utah should be pretty pretty tough. Oregon, unknown, but I threw it in here just because. Um, at Washington State. Should be difficult. Washington mm-hmm. going to be real tough, uh, and then they have the Notre Dame game, which Notre Dame these these year these days I just never know <laughs> any year what to make of them. But so I add that up and I say they've got what I consider to be seven. Not crazy to think they could lose those games. Um, and that's the first thing I start thinking about when I think about the nine and a half number. What do you do? do you do that sort of thought process or do you start by just thinking about well who's on Stanford's roster and what do I expect from them as a team this year before you actually look at the games sort of similar to what you do I go through and I go who are the absolute winnable games right off the bat so I can erase those off of the schedule so if there's a team and they have a schedule and I look at theirs like obviously they beat Rice already they should you know they're going to beat San Diego State um, Arizona State Oregon State Cal those are games I think they'll win and then the games that Agreed. you just mentioned are the the toss up games. I, I do, you know, USC is going to be 
obviously a very tough game at USC. At USC. Um, they week have two. an extra week though in between. That's kind of nice. So you're giving David Shaw two weeks to to get a smart group of guys ready exactly. for the biggest game of the season early. It is. And and you look at the success they've had in bowl games where they have that extra amount of time built in. I think David Shaw has, has shown that he can do a great job against a very quality opponent uh, with extra time. So I think that's going to just be a great game, number one, to watch. It's a toss-up. I mean, really, USC, you know, we know that they're supposed to be good. We'll talk about them later. Stanford has had success against them over the True. years, even during their better years when yeah. USC has been, yeah. been very good. So I look at it first, get the wins out of the way, the ones I suspect are the wins. And then I look at these games. So what are the toss-up games? And, of course, you're going to look at the, the roster. You want to see who's back, um, what injuries may have happened during the, the camp. Um, but for me, um, there's, there's a lot of question marks on that schedule right now. You're right about Washington State. They're, they're just a crazy team that – and obviously led by an amazingly crazy coach who I love, but um, you don't know what's going to happen up there at Wazoo, Washington. I mean, yeah, you got them at home. I don't think Stanford has much of a home environment for their football games. No, so I don't think that no, really Stanford, matters. Stanford's tough because if it's a tough road environment, that works against them. But they don't get it in in return. They no. don't get much of a home field advantage. Their, their stadium reminds me of like BC's stadium. Yeah. It's you know like a, a nice little forty thousand. Just nicer stadium. weather. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, for me, that's the way I look at it. Um, I kind of do it just the reverse of what you did, but it's similar methodology in a way. So let's talk. Let's let's get a few things out there for people listening. Um, a few notes th- that I that come to mind for me right away about Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, we remember they started last year really well. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat USC actually early in the year, um, but that was before USC had made the, the switch to Sam Darnold at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost badly at Washington. I mean, l- like in a game, the Washington, which I think was a, it was either, I don't think it was Thursday night. I think it was a Friday night game that mm-hmm. they went up to Seattle and, yeah. ju- and just got just got crushed. Not a, t- totally antithetical to what you think you're going to see from a David Shaw team ever. Yes. Um so they so la- so when I look at them last year, I think won the games they were supposed to win, lost some games that maybe they were supposed to lose based on what they had on the roster. Um, they will be, I think, a little tougher this year, which is weird because no Christian McCaffrey, right. but uh, bring back a really solid and deep offensive line. Yes. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna beat you up. Mm-hmm. When when you line up against them, they're they're going to play very physical. Um, that's kind of become a, a trademark for them. Um, tough league schedule though uh, this year, as we just went over. And one thing that I think is really good for them, um, and if you're if you're if if you follow a lot more NFL than college football, one thing Kevin and I will talk about tonight is not really a stat, just kind of a, an interesting uh, thing about each team. Returning starters. So in college football, the best players go to the NFL. Uh, sometimes even just really good seniors that don't go to the NFL, but they graduate, they're gone. So we talk about returning starters. Stanford in a really good spot with eight offense, eight defense, 16, 16 out of 22 positions, returning starters. So, um, Which I think is also kind of normal for that program because they don't have a lot of guys leaving early. Right. But... Um, all of that being said, I, I, I think the uh, I, I think I think it's a tough schedule. I, um, mm-hmm. I I I like the way you look at it. All right, what are the winnable games? But if you came up with 
five or six, then they still have to go get four or five more out of you know seven seven really tough games. And that that is the way I view their schedule. There are equally, in my opinion, the number of tough games to the ones that they should win. Yeah, and that you know that's what kind of uh, did you put? Drove how did you categorize? How did you categorize the Oregon game? It's an unknown. And, and I, because I don't know what Oregon's going to do this year. I mean, you know, they obviously had a down year last year, but, but who knows, really? I mean, they, can you imagine them having back to back seasons like that? I, I, I guess I could see no, it, but I, but, but I struggle to find staff, it. Yeah. I, I don't think Oregon's going four and eight again. Right. Um, but I don't think, but they're, they're not going to be the 2011, you know, 2010, 2011 Chip Kelly no. Oregon teams either overnight um so we'll see i yeah pack 12 north um washington a clear favorite and i wonder well i guess we'll find out in a hurry um mm-hmm. is Sta- is stanford going to compete with, with washington for pack 12 north this year so um so we, we've kind of given you guys some stuff to think about the usc game being early not not labor day weekend but the following weekend on september 9th so that's going to right out of the gates tell you a lot about stanford win or lose right because mm-hmm. they right. could go lose that game but if they play really well um you're not necessarily and, and you took an over on them at nine and a half you're not really feeling bad about mm-hmm. that necessarily since that's that and washington probably the two toughest games on the schedule right they could lose both, go ten and two, and and beat the Vegas expectation. Absolutely. All right. So that being said, <laughs> um, how do you feel about this number? So I, I struggled with this one, as uh, I probably have with many of them, because there are so many unknowns. And when you look at the schedule, we just talked about a lot of these games. I actually am going under. Okay. Um, and I I did go, I did flip flop a little bit. In my own thinking, when I was analyzing it, but but yeah, I have them uh, under the nine and a half number. Okay, uh, close though. Pretty close. Okay, eight nine somewhere yeah. in that ballpark. Okay, um, so this is this is good because we've got disagreement right away. I'm gonna go over. I uh, I I think that they will. I'm not. We'll talk about USC in a second. I'm just not as sold on USC as everybody else and when we talk mm-hmm. about USC I'll talk about why so I think it's really possible that in the USC Washington games they could get a split and if they could do that um, and then not trip up elsewhere uh, I, I, I can I, I think they're going to be in it with Washington right up until uh, until the very end of the uh, of the Pac-12 season so I'm going to go over so we've got uh, so we've got a nice disagreement right away um and then uh, I think what we'll do, I think we talked about this. I think what we'll do is, uh, you know, not, nothing illegal. We'll just keep a nice little tally here. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then whoever, whoever gets the most uh, right will, uh, the loser will uh, be responsible for taking the winner and maybe the wives um, out for, uh, out for, an, you know, one of, our, one of our posh nights on Tip Hills. Absolutely. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like it. Um, all right. Very good. So, so that'll make this interesting. All right, let's move on to unless you had a, anything else. Stanford. Nope, we'll I think on. we uh, think we covered them. Okay, uh, let's move to UCLA, mm-hmm. who's just um, Jim Mora coaching there. Uh, they're just all, they're always interesting, if nothing else. Um, 
and the number I'll get right into the number mm -hmm. six and a half um, and I'll let you I, I kind of led us into Stanford so why don't you start us out on UCLA yep so right off the bat they start off against a tough power five opponent Texas A&M um, and they get them in in LA and they're a four-point favorite in that game um, that to me is gonna be a really telling sign for them right off the bat you know Texas A&M I mean, they're not predicted to win their division of the SEC, but they're but they're really good talented. for September and October. Most they're years. amazing, yeah. <laughs> and and so and they always seem to play these opening games, Texas A&M. Yeah. Of course, they played last UCLA year. last year, yeah. and it was a Overtime. great game, yeah. awesome game. So I expect similar type of a game, um, but that's a tough way to open the season. So for me, that's a complete toss up right off the bat. But it'll be telling. And then you move in, and you've got to me some winnable games. The next two weeks you have a, a game at home against hawaii and then you're at memphis which is you know why is ucla playing at memphis That's i have no weird. idea yeah i mean that that was shocking to me when i saw that um but they should win those two games in my opinion i'm not going to get into my number yet but and then you then you start talking about you're at stanford and we just talked about them we know they're going to be a very competitive team this they, year these two played a very close game in la last year though. right yeah, and and I thought, I thought Stanford played really well, but I thought UCLA made some stupid mistakes late in that game. So that'll be interesting to which, see a year late. Which is kind of the whole, it's kind of what you expect from both, I guess. But. Right, exactly. Um, and then you have Colorado, uh, another to me kind of toss up game. Who knows what Colorado is going to be like? I mean, coming off the season that they had, kind of out of nowhere. Right. So what are, what are they going to look like? Um, and then you're you're at Arizona. Which, you know, to me, UCLA, these are the kind of games that they tend to lose. You know, that at Arizona type game or, you know, a middling Pac-12 team that they should beat. It'll and be then kicking off mistakes. at like 1230 Eastern. Yeah. And then you'll find out the next morning that uh, Arizona beat UCLA 72 to 61. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then you have Oregon. We talked about them. They're a little uh, bit of a potential surprise one way or the other this year. We don't know what to expect. Uh, but then at Washington, at Utah, that's, that's tough. brutal. And then shortly. And then a little maybe an Arizona State, which could be an Arizona situation again, but at least you get them at home. And then you're at USC, which, of course, is, is a not only a rivalry game, but now it's a rivalry game again against the top five type yeah. caliber team. And then they round out the season at home against Cal, which, you know, Cal's the kind of team that can surprise people. I mean, they have an offense that, that is pretty potent, or at least was last year. Um I, I really I, I thought this schedule on paper, you might look at the beginning part and say other than Texas A&M, you, know, you should hopefully get a few wins up front. It, to me, it's kind of, for UCLA, it's going to be tough, I, I yeah. think. I, and what they have coming back other than Josh Rosen, I mean, their offense is going to be pretty, pretty talented, but Jim Mora has a lot to prove this year. It's a big season for him, right? It's a huge season it's for a, him. I, mean, after I put him in Butch Jones territory, which I know we're going to talk about Tennessee Ooh. as well. But he's got to do something. I mean, they're not, especially now that USC is rising again, that puts all, so much more pressure on UCLA. I mean, there was a lot of pressure on them when USC was down to win and take over that spot as being the premier team. And they, never, really and they never did. Yeah. And I don't understand why. I don't understand why they cannot. Especially since you read about how well they're recruiting. Exactly. Yeah. So when, why is it, why are they not putting it all together on yeah. the field? Um and I, you know, what was really interesting is so 
for those of you that, that aren't big college fans, they, they return Josh Rosen, their, their quarterback, um, that very good quarterback, and, uh, but made some news in the past few weeks about complaining about uh, being a student athlete and mm-hmm. football and school at the same right. time. And we don't have to, although uh, for those of you that don't know, Kevin played college football and probably has thoughts on that. We don't need to necessarily go down, mm-hmm. turn this into a, um, that kind of <laughs> show. But I thought it was interesting to learn that UCLA doesn't even that they're like a month into the season before the kids even go to class. Yeah, they're, they're on trimesters. Trimesters, right? So um, I would think that would be an advantage, or is that you've you've lived this life? Is that a disadvantage if you get used to playing football and all you're doing is playing football? from August training camp and all through September, and then all of a sudden now you've got school on top of that. Is that where he's coming from? That's what I I think it would be an advantage because I think about when I was in school and you know we'd go to, to fall camp and we'd have about a two-and-a-half, three-week time period where before school starts where we're practicing. That's two our days. preseason, two-a-days, three-a-days even. Yeah. Now they can't <laughs> even do two-a-days anymore. But – but to me, if school doesn't start a, until a month into the season, there's no other distractions. You can totally focus on football for that three or four games or whatever time period that is. I, I don't see how that's a bad thing from a football standpoint. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get into a whole we don't, we don't debate because that's a whole, whole different show. Yeah, it's a different show. But I just think it would be an advantage. Okay, good. Yeah. So that so that should work to their favor. It should. Um, theoretically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like we said, they've recruited well. So even after losing uh, some people last year, especially on defense, they mm-hmm. still return 12 starters, seven offense, five defense. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Mora, uh, suppo- you know, supposed to be an upper echelon coach. They've got the quarterback, yep. which is in college football. So I, I don't, you know, that's a big difference between NFL and college. It is so rare to have that kind of talent at quarterback for any team any year. Right. Um, so you would hope that, uh, that, 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 we, that we see the, um, the, the results of that in, in the win column. But I'm just I, – I, I'm hmm. – that, that stretch – you went over the schedule. There's that stretch where in four weeks they have at Washington, at Utah – at USC, those yeah. three on the road in a four-week stretch, and that scares me to death. <laughs> oh, totally. Absolutely. You know, you, you talked about Josh Rosen. You talk about the offense. You know that they can score points, that they've proven that, and they should again this year. But for me, it's going to come down to their defense, and they've, you know, their defense last year, you think, here's a stat for you. They can't get off the field. So they were there were teams converting on fourth down last year, 14 out of 20 times they converted on fourth down against Cal. Cal went three for three on fourth down against them. And you, and Texas A&M had one in that big overtime win oh, yeah. as well. So if they can't get off the field, then it, it they're going to have to score even more points in order to uh, in order to get some of these wins. And, and I just think that when I look at their defensive roster and look at the experience coming back, I mean, you mentioned there's five defensive players or starters coming back. I'm not sure that they're going to be any better this year on defense. And and that scares me when I look okay. at their their number. And this number which we'll talk about, I feel like is just 
brutal again because it's so spot on. It's so yeah. middle of the road, and it's. <laughs> yeah. And I think they're a middle of the road team, right now. Um. So I'll. So I'll go first on this one, and I think you might be leaning the same way, but I'm going to say under. And I did too, for all the reasons we just talked about. Yeah. They're just the the way they started okay last year but fell apart and then the defense as you as you talk about how bad the defense is i'm having flashbacks of uh joe williams from utah just running all yeah. over them for 300 yards or whatever the hell right. it was that day they they were uh they were pretty awful yes. and like you said they can score but uh that's usually a recipe for disaster when you're one of those teams that well we can put up points we just can't stop anyone right um all right yeah i think I think the under and it and it you know six and six ish kind of season sounds about right. The that that stretch at the end that we that we talked about um, with those three tough road games, um, USC not as much of a road game as uh, going to Washington and Utah, but still the, those three tough road games down the stretch, I think probably determines their season. And doesn't don't you just can't you just picture them going zero for three in those? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Because school will be in session, so they probably won't be able to focus on football. <laughs> you know, they'll they'll probably start off three zero in those, September, and then they'll go zero nine the rest of the year. Classes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, okay, that's a little about UCLA. Let's move on, but staying in uh, Southern California, USC. Love it. A um, few things for you guys to know if you didn't know already, but hopefully you're not living under a rock. Uh, Clay Helton back for year two after an impressive finish last year in the Rose Bowl. Uh, certainly the biggest story is uh, Sam Darnold, the quarterback who I think the, G- the New York Jets are already tanking uh, in hopes of drafting. Well, uh, the Bills might be tanking too, by Bills the way. Bills might be tanking too. <laughs> Bills, to are, him, Bills are giving yeah. the Jets a run for their yeah. money. <laughs> um, okay, but he, but Darnold, so Darnold's back, but lost a lot of supporting cast. Uh, both of his very talented starting wide receivers, a few offensive linemen mm-hmm. that, that were very good. Um, still, But it's still... I guess what I like is it feels like for the first time in a while after the Lane Kiffin and, and Sark years, it feels like some stability in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that they just continue to do is recruit really well. So probably the most talented roster in the Pac-12. Big non-conference game with Texas early, um, usual Notre Dame game late, and then otherwise a Pac-12 regular season schedule that's pretty workable because um, – they don't have Washington. They won't play Washington right. unless they happen to meet up in the uh, Pac-12 Pac title game. So all of that being said, talented roster, but they don't return a lot of starters. Um, so, Kevin, what comes to mind, first things that come to mind for you on USC this year? Well, the big thing for me is when I looked at their offense, that, that offensive line needs to come together quickly. Yep. Um, and, and one thing about USC that they've always done well is they've always been able to run the ball. And, and I think if, if they cannot run the ball, especially early in the season, then, you know, then you're going to start to see teams, you know, load up the box. Or not – they won't even have to load the they box. They won't have to. Yeah, I'm actually thinking reverse. They're, they're going to be dropping back into coverage, and Sam Darnold's going to be facing, facing five, you know, five and six defensive yeah, backs. exactly. Uh, potentially if they're getting – if you don't need to put a lot of guys at the line of scrimmage to force them into – Second and nine. Exactly, exactly. So that, that to me is the real key for them on offense. Um, you know, defensively, you didn't hear much about their defense last year. Um, they were quietly solid, not great, not some of the great teams we've seen in the past. Certainly got ripped apart in the Penn State game in the Rose Bowl. Um, but 
can they come back this year and be solid? Because, again, if that offense does struggle in the beginning, which I suspect, unless this offensive line has some cohesion, that they might, then then the beginning of the season could get a little hairy for them, especially when you're comparing it to what we have as a number for their over-under. Um, because their, their schedule uh, is, other than week one, which they certainly should win against Western Michigan, it, it gets pretty hairy quickly for them. If you want me to walk through. The Stanford game is tough, week yep. two. And then no real break in, you know, no no going back to a non-conference cupcake because they have Texas. Who is another unknown. Who's also unknown. I, tech, unknown is a great way to describe Texas. Um, the the over-under number, by the way, is 10.5. So, uh, yep. so it's, that's, that's hefty. That means if you want to take that over, your your margin for error is just the one loss. They right. they they've got to go eleven and one to meet that. Um, all of that being said, with no with without playing Washington um, on the schedule, the games that I looked at that um, maybe this says a lot about our personalities on the whole half gla- glass half full and half empty that you look at for sure wins first and I look at possible losses, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I only I, the the only games that scare me, Stanford, mm-hmm. maybe Texas, mm-hmm. at Washington State. Yes, um, I agree completely. They get Utah at home, yep. and as as much as I'm a I'm a pseudo Utah fan, because um, I like their program and just they always play entertaining games and just. Just like Utah, um, but they kind of uh, play like a Big Ten team. They, they kind of power do. rushing attack yeah. and yeah, uh, nice home, nice underrated home field advantage. I just, yeah, you know, I just like their program. Um, but last year, when those two teams played, which I I think was also another Friday night game, uh, and it was in Utah, and it was rainy and kind of nasty weather, and Utah had every advantage. And USC should have won that game. As right as USC was kind of turning mm-hmm. the corner on their season, and Utah had to come back and score a couple fourth quarter touchdowns to win that game. In uh, at, in Southern California this year, I, I, I think that's a I, I don't see USC struggling like that. Um, at Notre Dame, I didn't e- I didn't even uh, it's it's not too late in the season. It's October twenty first. I didn't even put that on my list no. of uh, scary games. So this is a really, really tough call at 10.5 because I just – I don't see – I understand the fears of offensive line cohesion um, and replacing starters, but they recruit well. I, they do. I expect them to I, – I expect them to not, not like uh, – plugging in defensive linemen for Alabama or Clemson. Right. But USC plugs in offensive linemen pretty well. Um, last year in the Washington game in Seattle, mm-hmm. when USC went up there and smacked them. They really did. They dominated both sides of the line. Yep. Um, now, that doesn't mean they they will be that good this year, replacing a lot of those starters. But um, I, I just – I – feel good about them i wish the number was 10 mm-hmm. <laughs> and not 10 so and a you, half so what do you think um i am going to i'm gonna go under mm. only because i went over on stanford 
and I think that game is going to be the difference. And if I ha- if I had to make like a a prediction on an individual game right now, I like Stanford in that early game. Um, so that's why I go under. Well, I went under as well, but I agree with you on. I do think Stanford could come in and, in an early season game if that line is struggling. Stanford's the kind of team that can expose it. Now, granted, I went under on Stanford as well, but but hear me out on this. Okay. I actually think there's another loss somewhere else on this schedule for USC, and that's really why I went under. And I could see them. I have a feeling about this team that, that there's going to be a game in there that they're going to lose that you may not expect. And it, maybe it's Washington State up there, even though that's early in the season. But how about at Colorado in November? What's the weather going to be like? We don't even sure. know what Colorado is going to be like. Are they going to be good? They could be horrible. I don't know um, because we didn't analyze them. But I just feel like there's a loss somewhere on this back half of the schedule for them. Gut feeling completely, nothing scientific to it. But I'm actually going under for that same for that reason, that I think there's going to be some struggles early on that could potentially not have one loss there. Mm-hmm. And it could be Texas too. We don't know. But I see a loss towards the end of the year too. Yeah. Ten and a half. It's just a huge number. It's just if it was nine much. and a half, I would be probably saying over. I probably over. would have gone over because ten and two to me is easily done with this schedule. Yeah. Maybe eleven and one too. We don't know, but I'm going to go under because I think there's a loss somewhere else in here. That um, I don't know about. And I think that's a. I think what you just said is a really good point. And we were talking about this that night at uh, the Fourth of July party when we, when I was uh, when I started telling you my theory about adding up all the losses. Um. With a lot of these teams, what I do is I write down right away all the losses and possible losses, mm-hmm. I should say. And then based on the program, the staff, returning starters, all of those kind of things, sometimes what I'll do is I'll get my number and then I'll say plus one. Um, and that's the one that they're going to lose that you're not even expecting. Right. And I think it's fair for you to take that approach with USC since Clay Helton's staff came on really well at the end of last year, but it is still a pretty um, a, a pretty small, finite um, body of work. Right. So, yeah. And, and they had, let's face it, some playmakers last year when you have um, guys like Adora Jackson on special teams mm-hmm. that can swing a game 14 points in a right. hurry. Um and they've lost a lot of that, and we don't know exactly how good the the next crop of I hate I hate the S word players. <laughs> yeah, because the linemen are uh, just as skilled. <laughs> but um, well, for S for linemen, I say smarter, smarter, because usually they are or skilled. My my <laughs> or both. My you know my someone it, I can't take credit for this. It was someone. It was an analyst uh, who must have played on the line who said that he really takes exception to calling the receivers the skill players. Um, and I say this as a former receiver, but I have no problem acknowledging. Um, anyone can go play catch. You don't have to have gone to football practice for years and years and years right. to learn to play catch. <laughs> yeah, And you can learn a route in a hurry. It takes a long time to learn to effectively pull and trap and do all the things that the linemen do. So to, to, to not call them the skill players just bothers me. Well, you're born with speed. I mean, sure. you can develop it certainly through, through different um, things. But, but to me, speed isn't a skill. 
it's something you're, you have. Yeah. You either I can't have it or you don't. I, I could go work. I could do the same speed work that a wide receiver in the NFL does, and I can guarantee you it's not going to help me <laughs> get any faster because I just don't have it. But I could go work on the skill of blocking or as a defensive lineman, you know, how to use your hands sure. and how to rip and to swim and all yep. the things. That you can learn. And yeah. that, that's a it's skill. It's a skill. So – so anyway, I completely agree. I've always thought that, but anyway, for what? But for that's a whole for what? Yep, yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, but for what it's worth, yeah. uh, uh, receivers, linemen, weapons, whatever you want to call the the whole offense, um, with only four returning starters. Um, I think we've we've highlighted. There's some question marks there, and yeah. it's safe to, you know, if this if this was ten or twelve years ago with Pete Carroll and his staff, then I would. I, I would go over. Yeah, because they didn't lose these kind of and games. The games I think they're gonna, or the game they maybe, didn't lose. The, lose. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So I. So I think I, I think under is the safe play here as well. Yeah. All right. We have one more. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Pac-12, this is the Pac-12 North. Um. We're gonna talk about Washington. They're over under number a hefty ten. Uh. Really good season last year. A lot of people thought it came a year early. That yep. this year, 2017, was gonna be the year. So that's generally a good thing. Uh, Coach Peterson, well on his way to building a powerhouse program in Seattle. I did think they looked a little overmatched physically in that mm-hmm. USC game we just talked about, and obviously uh, against Alabama in the playoff. Uh, Luckily, neither are on their schedule this year. True, <laughs> uh, and and they have a garbage non-conference schedule, so it's, that yeah. that works in their favor um, for racking up wins. John Ross, a big loss to the NFL, but with um, Browning, the mm-hmm. quarterback back. Uh, probably you know potential Heisman candidate. Um, good, o- so really good offense. Schedule very workable. Uh, and despite losing some guys, you know, return thirteen starters. So, mm-hmm. uh, so what do you think? Yeah. So I look at their schedule. You're right. First off, they open up at Rutgers, which uh, the spread's twenty seven and a half. And if it couldn't be a hundred and twenty seven and a half, that would it still wouldn't be enough. But they're gonna crush Rutgers at, on the road there. Then you come home from Montana, Fresno. Those are two wins. Then you're at Colorado, at Oregon State. I mean, those are not two hard road no, games in the Pac-12. should be off to a great start. And then Cal at home and at Arizona State, again, I mean, they easily, and I say easily being, you know, figuratively speaking here, but, you know, I could see them starting off 6-0 and right off the bat, 7-0. and And then they go into the – they have a bye week back half of the schedule. UCLA, Oregon at home, which, you know, Washington's a tough – place to play so uh those are two you know halfway decent maybe decent being the keyword for these two teams they should win those two games too at stanford's gonna be a tough one um they, they could they be crushed. nine they could be nine and oh they could be they Quite should easily be. they should they yeah should they, be. they should they'll be favored in every game they and, should be nine and oh and then you know you've got your last three games at stanford that's when it gets tough utah which is gonna be tough and then Washington State, which you you know you say throw the Gosh, record, but books you get out. two of those three at home. But so to me, so to give you my answer, I'm over. Yeah, me too. Because I think they can, they can go eleven and one easily. This is this was the least difficult for me to analyze for when it came kinda, to over. Kind of weird that it was at ten today when I and I just again we're we're recording on Monday the you think today's the twenty eighth. It is, yeah. Um, so this was from around noon time. Uh, I did this at lunch time today. Yeah. Uh, so. Surprised that wasn't ten and a half. Yeah. Surprised well, a lot hasn't come in on that to drive the the, the price up. Yeah. And in fact, we may have to end this podcast now so I can run out and put 
a few dollars down for <laughs> entertainment purposes only. Because yeah. when I saw that, I was like, man, I, I got to get something down on that. Yeah, when I talk about actually making the bet, I'm I'm talking about like one of the you know like those economics in high school classes where you buy stocks with fake money. Oh, totally. That's what I do. Yeah, we're, that's what I do. An investment games. club. We have a a gambling club. Yeah, and we and just use like some monopoly money and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, good. So. We went. We got through Washington pretty fast. Expect big things from them this year. Uh, I I love the coaching hire there from a few years ago. Um, oh, I, I just he, he's done he's done a great job. Perfect fit for that program. Totally agree. Okay, um, let's go from the West Coast, which everybody loves, to a part of the country where most people don't want to live, and that is like those great. Well, other than Texas, Texas is fun, but otherwise, some of these great plains, Oklahoma type areas mm-hmm. that uh, nobody likes. So. Everybody's favorite conference to bash, the Big 12. Um, before we get into the teams, I do want to say, after they botched, after they did that awful job with the conference expansion discussion, mm-hmm. where they had all these poor small schools apply and get their hopes up and then just decide to do nothing. Like UConn? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Some, some of these that didn't even have any. Now, I, no. I still think, I still don't know why they didn't take BYU. And I, I would have taken, if they want to be a relevant conference, I, I would have again conference expansion another conversation but they they handled the whole discussion and process and everything just terribly mm-hmm. um but after botching that i do think they got it right now by having a championship game because now they're going to be able to say look we play a round robin and we play a conference championship game so Let's take the easy one, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. If Oklahoma uh, beats Oklahoma State, Kansas State, whoever the best teams are in that conference, if they beat them all, and then they, whoever's uh, in second place, if they beat them a second time, which is always tough to beat the same team a second time, uh, second time on a neutral field, that's a pretty darn good resume to get yourself into the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're doing. I, I I think in that case they have responded appropriately because they're taking in what the committee's done the first few years of its existence and said, okay, if the conference title games matter, we'll stop taking a bye that week and we'll play. And our our champion, we think we'll we'll have a resume that stacks up with with the other power conferences. Thoughts. Oh, I agree. I mean, they had to do something because they were becoming irrelevant very yeah. quickly. And and when you talk about conference expansion, which we know down the road will happen again, um, it's it, it's the Big 12 that will be potentially or would have been potentially poached. You know, there's been talk of Texas, Oklahoma. Those are two big, uh, two big schools that, that are looked at by the Pac-12, by the Big Ten, um, by the SEC. Uh, in some cases, so it's sure. it's they o- had to Oklahoma do would be a great SEC. Oklahoma, <laughs> and we know Texas would never be able to join the SEC now because Texas and them would never allow it. But but then there might be Texas is such a powerful school. Maybe they'd be an exception made for the, in that case. But um, well, I, th- I, th- <laughs> I yeah, think if they came, uh, I think you'd open the door. For I think them. anybody opens the door for Texas. Yeah, I think they're a better fit in the. We're we're on a tangent here, but it's a fun one. So um, yeah. I think Texas is a. I, I just think they're a better fit, either Pac-12 or Big Ten. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think Texas would want to be in the SEC. No, I think they Texas don't need to be. views themselves, and for just football fans, 
they don't even want to hear these conversations, but it does matter because the school isn't run by the athletic department. Right. I mean, the athletic department's really important. And in the case of, say, the SEC, the athletic department runs the school, but Texas views themselves as above that. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a great school. It is. And I think they view themselves alongside a Stanford, Washington, USC, UCLA in the in the Pac-12 or Michigan Northwestern, you know, Big Ten elite Agreed. schools. I I picture them going there. I I think they would want to go there before they oh, would I, go to the SEC. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no reason for them to go to the SEC. To I me, there's so no either. positive that would come out I of it. I don't think so either. Other than Vanderbilt in the SEC, there's no other school where the the athletic department doesn't run the school. Yep. The tail does wag the dog. In that exactly. And, and yeah, you're right. Texas is a good school, and they are a better fit from a profile standpoint with the schools that you mentioned, like in Michigan and, and some of that. I but, just think they would want to sit alongside these elite research universities. Right. And also be really good at football. Right. As opposed to um, – you know, there's just there's some arrogance to it. Sure. Whereas Oklahoma, if if you could pick them up and put them right in halfway in between um, Auburn and Alabama, they oh, would fit in they'd fit perfectly. perfectly. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a which is a good question. Before we talk about Oklahoma here in a second, mm-hmm. um, is Big Twelve around ten years from now? Is Big Twelve as a conference around? No. I think it's going that route, huh? Yeah, I do. I, I, I like what they did with the, the championship game. I think you have to. But I just I, I still don't think when those television contracts come up in the Which next Oklahoma and Texas have been really quiet about I mean they're they're not giving the signal that they're that they want to get started on uh, renegotiating those now. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean I just don't think they're gonna be around. And you look at what look what happened with the ACC, uh, because that's another conference that would be potentially you know, talked about and had been talked about as being poached, you know, schools like Virginia, North Carolina, um, Florida State, certainly. What those schools did was they came together and they signed their grant of rights and they said, we're all in. We're all in for the ACC. And and the the Big 12 schools have not done anything like that. To me, they're the, they're the easy target that's out there. And yeah. when the time comes, when those television contracts are ready to be negotiated, that's when you're going to start seeing the musical chairs again of schools moving. And I think two of them we just talked about. The interesting thing with Oklahoma, though, is similar to what happened with Virginia and Virginia Tech when the ACC the took Oklahoma Virginia State Tech. Thing. Does Oklahoma State, does the state of Oklahoma block politicians without say, saying you have to take Oklahoma State too? Which, by which the way, is, Oklahoma State would also be a good fit. It would. In the SEC because I, they have like a maverick mentality. They, yeah. The head coach is perfect. Oh, well, he's got I a mean, mullet. I mean, he's right, yeah. Uh, both Oklahoma schools would be a good fit, and there would be a political battle there about that. Um, I think we've, we've read a lot about that. Uh, if you if you dig into this, the, it's it's pretty obvious that there, right. there will be a – with them being state schools, mm-hmm. there will be a political battle because you get these states where there's two big state schools, and generally all the politicians – went to one or the other right and it's going to be really hard to uh for one of them to get the invite and not the other even though the sec monetarily would rather only take oklahoma oh absolutely and 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 if you look let's just say for the the fun discussion oklahoma goes to the sec and oklahoma state doesn't somehow that happens where the hell does this because oklahoma state does not line up with any other conference the acc the big ten 
Certainly not the Pac-12. I mean, none, none of them are taking Oklahoma. They're going to be in Conference USA. They're going to be playing Memphis. That's who they're going to be. They're going to be in a league with with UConn or Memphis yeah, or whoever these. I mean, that's how much is at stake when it yeah, comes time. Which is just that it's gigantic. It's unreal. It's everything. You mean you literally go from from you know being a, a Power Five and you're potentially you have the opportunity to play for a national championship every year if your team is good enough to where now you're 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 nothing and all how the revenue implications that that. Yeah, it's just it's scary. And if I was one of those schools, like in Oklahoma State, I'd be petrified of this. Yeah. So, but look, the, yeah, the, I mean, some of the other, uh, you know, Oklahoma State. If, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, um, you just hope that the that that you actually <laughs> that politicians do something good for once, and you and you somehow get into the SEC as well. If Oklahoma makes that move, and then you preserve Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And I assume, you know, I don't know if SEC would have any sort of realignment, but you'd think they try to keep them in the same division. Um, some of the other ones, uh, Kansas State comes to mind is a pretty, thanks to Bill Snyder, a pretty competitive, decent program. Th- that's one. That's another one that where the hell do they end up? And their timing of this is going to be bad for them because we saw what happened the last time he retired. Yeah, They went completely into the tank. And then he came back and rescued him again to where they are now, where they're very competitive. But he's not going to be around in five it's years. Hard for him to coaching, <laughs> hard I mean, for he, a third encore. <laughs> exactly, and he's he's getting older, and he does have some health issues right now. In five years, it's hard to believe that he'll still be coaching that team. Um, they're a team that it could go right off the edge as well, just yeah. like we talked about. And if you look at those two schools, Kansas and Kansas State. Luckily for Kansas, they have the the monster basketball program that would be potentially attractive. Plus, it's a better I've, school. I've read. I've read. The, well, yeah, it's a much better school. Yeah, and that's a big part and of that's it. That's a big part I, of it. So I've yeah. read Big Ten, and that makes sense. I could totally see that. And yeah. um, despite the terrible football program at Kansas, that the Big Ten and this the Big Ten really makes smart moves. They do. Um, that bringing on Kansas. Um, Right there next to Nebraska, mm-hmm. uh, and then also just adding that not not that basketball compares to football monetarily, but where the Big Ten would bring on an extra basketball school like Kansas, um, it would be really smart because it would be kind of like the opposite of what the original Big East did to Penn State in the eighties. Right. You don't know what the landscape looks like twenty or thirty years from now, so adding. Penn State and Nebraska to the Big Ten for football. Very important, very mm-hmm. smart, wise move. Adding one powerhouse, blue chip, <laughs> amazing basketball yeah. program that's also a really good school. Uh, so I've, I've read a little about that, how the how the Big Ten in Kansas would be a pretty good match. I um, agree. Yeah, I mean, there's only four or five really blue blood type teams in college basketball that are legit. Yeah. And certainly they're one that of are them. money makers that are yeah. real big time. Yeah, Kansas is right there. Oh, absolutely. With anyone. And I would I would think they'd be a great fit for the Big Ten. It'd so. be you know that yeah, you're right. It's like one of the four or five basketball programs that have almost like football type um, fandom and 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 revenue and revenue and, <laughs> and, revenue and <laughs> yeah. relevance. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's. That's interesting, but let's get back to futures and let's talk. We're going to start with Oklahoma because a lot of news there uh, in the mm-hmm. offseason with Bob Stoops retiring. Yeah. A very young coach, Lincoln Riley, takes over. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, <laughs> Baker Mayfield's had an interesting offseason. Um, on the field, he lost a lot of weapons to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense was terrible, uh, which is kind of Big 12-ish uh, last year. So whether or not that can get any better this year is, is a question to look at. And um, they, like USC, have a huge number at 10 and a half. Yeah. And what surprises me about how high that is is the fact that they go to Columbus to play Ohio State in week two. Yeah. Now, all that being said, 16 returning starters, mm-hmm. um, nine offense, seven defense. So Baker Mayfield loses a couple weapons, but mostly brings back a pretty competent, not competent, powerful offense. Um, ten and a half number, and uh, I'll, I'll let you start on breaking this one down. So this will come as a surprise to anybody who followed the Big 12, but Oklahoma's going to have to score a lot of points this year in order to, to come close to this number because their defense last year was was dreadful. And there's you'd think, well, it can't get any worse, and hopefully for them that is the case. But I don't see them improving enough that it will be impactful um, when it comes to such a big number. So maybe I'm hinting towards my answer. But let's go into – you hit – the nail on the head. I'm looking at their schedule right now, Sam. At Ohio State week two. So you get UTEP up front at home, 43-point favorites. That's your opportunity to, to work out any of your, your kinks, new coaching staff, all that. They'll, they'll probably – I mean, they might hit a 43 spread on that, and, and it might they, – They could. <laughs> I mean, they, they could. They, they definitely could. Because then the next week you're at Ohio State. I, I just don't see them winning that game. I mean, I really don't. They lost to Oklahoma, or they lost to Ohio State at home last year. Yeah. So credit then, to those schools for playing a true home and home. Oh, credit absolutely. I love it. I and I hope that continues. And I go down the schedule into the back half. There's there's I kind of circled this. Um, there's two weeks in a row where they're on the road. They're at Texas, and again, we don't know what that's going to be like, but we know it's always a spirited game. Um, and at Texas means only that it, it's on paper it's because in, it's it's that. It's at the New York, at the Texas uh, yeah, it's in State Dallas. Fair, and it's in Dallas. So it's really a, a more of a neutral site game, but nonetheless, it's that's a that's a tough one. Are we and allowed to call? Are we allowed? Are we allowed to call it the Red River Shootout? We're well. Um, on the way over, I was on the phone and I said Red River Shootout to someone, and I got pulled over by the cops immediately. Okay. So I'm pretty sure someone is listening, and they don't like that. They're triggered. Um, you know, I, I don't want to offend anyone. I feel like any snowflakes listening. In I feel like if you're talking about the Red River Shootout in um, New York, people that don't uh, know the first thing about college football are way more offended about that than the people that are actually in Oklahoma and Texas. Well, so. yeah, people in New York probably think the Red River Shootout has something to do with defending the Alamo, like it was something mm-hmm. that happened, you know, yeah. 100 years, 150 yeah. years ago, and like some history thing that maybe they should know, but. For our purposes, yes, we'll call it the Red River Shootout. Okay, I think good. I think we're safe in that. Good. Um, so anyway, those two weeks in a row, they're at uh, they have the Texas game, and then they're at Kansas State, and we just talked about them. That's that's tough. I mean, you just never know what you're going to get. And I then feel like have, Kansas State and Oklahoma, that Oklahoma probably wins about three out of four, but about once every but three how about four a, years, new is coaching Kansas staff, State, and yeah, and you got all this, this stuff year. going on, and Bill Snyder's a wily, yep. he's a wily one. So, and then you get Texas Tech at home; they should win that one. But then Oklahoma State on the road, um, yeah. and that's another game that and it's we just earlier don't know. in the season it is. this year because of them doing the new schedule. Because of the new schedule, and then TCU, Kansas, and West Virginia. I think they should win those games. Um, they should, but TCU could be tough. TCU could be tough, absolutely. So with that being said, again, ten and a half is a brutal number. I'm Especially going- when you think 
especially when you think they're going to lose it in Columbus because now they've got to they've got to run the table otherwise. Right, and and I don't I could see easily another loss in in those games we just talked about: Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU. And the thing with the with them having a title game now, they could go ten and two, lose that that future, or or finish under, I should say. Right. Um, they could go ten and two, but still win their conference title game and end up being a playoff team, depending on what happens elsewhere. Um, but ten and a half is just such a big number. And that's to your point earlier, Sam. You talked about what we're talking about here is just the future. We're only talking regular season, but they could go on like your Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, yep anecdote was right on where they could have an under but go on to have a, a, a successful season and make the sure. playoffs and make the championship so with that being said i'm pretty easily going under on this one me too okay i i, I just think you have to um okay let's stay within the uh the sooner state uh but go over to stillwater so oklahoma state numbers at nine and uh we'll uh we'll get into this here uh as I looked at the schedule for them, uh, I almost thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool if you could just actually bet the push, <laughs> um, because mm-hmm. I, I I looked at it and I came up with with nine and three. Um, the, the games that I categorized as losable games at Pitt. Yes, because remember what happened be last there. year yep. in 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 Stillwater. Yep, and that was a hell of a game. It was. It was like a Pitt was like a Big Twelve team. They were last year. And I think we'll be again this I year. I do too. Yeah. So at Pitt, I think is a Oklahoma State should be favored, but that's always you know road favorite in college football. But just and, remember, there's no home environment at Pitt, so that's going to be true. Pitt, they, Oklahoma State may have as many fans there as Pitt. Uh, kidding, true. but it's not. So then, be. so at that point, Pitt's just getting the fact that they don't have to travel. Right. But, um, I went with at Pitt, mm-hmm. TCU, mm-hmm. at Texas. At West Virginia, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, Kansas State. Mm-hmm. So I had six games that I consider losable. Mm-hmm. And where this gets interesting is they get, of those six, three are on the road, three are at home. So as I just started breaking down this math, I'm thinking mm-hmm. a nine and three season, which is right where they're at. Um, I had written push. <laughs> I did but then too. Since I, I know, <laughs> but then since I know we can't do a push because obviously you can't bet on that uh i went under oh interesting for all the reasons you just said though i mean all there's so many games on their schedule and that that they could lose right so when i went in and did my reverse of what you do and picked the winners there was there was a lot of games on there that i didn't know yeah and they weren't for sure wins they weren't for sure wins and then so you look at and then you go back and you compare that to the number so they have to win either eight or ten yeah, <laughs> and that's why I hate the the flat number. I like the yeah. half. Yeah, me too. But because if it was nine and a half, I would have said, I think they're going to go under. But I think they'll win nine. But I can't say they're going to win nine because that's a push. So I have to think they're going to win eight. I think they're going to go eight and four because I think they're going to lose some of these games. Um, I just I just don't see them winning ten games. Yeah, that's tough. A few things about about them this year that program uh so mason rudolph quarterback back and going mm-hmm. to lead a good offense and put up a shitload of stats um joel Klatt, who i really like as yeah. an analyst on fox sports said said that uh he thinks mason rudolph is an excellent not just good excellent heisman trophy candidate hmm. um which i'm not sure because I, 
we'll see. I don't know if he's that good. Uh, there's such a, to me, a big difference between a really good collegiate quarterback and just Big 12 stats. And, um, like, the Andre Ware-type stat seasons. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so Mason Rudolph, we'll see. Um, all the same old defensive inconsistencies uh, the past couple of years I expect to be back. Uh, and their secondary is especially bad. Young, young yep. and bad both. Um, they only returned 12 starters, 7 offense, 5 defense. So a bad defense from last year could be worse. And, and that, I think, kind of reiterates your point that it's really hard to see them getting beyond uh, getting to 10 wins. 10 is a lot. It is a lot. And it's a lot for Oklahoma State when they're supposed to be even better yeah. than this. I mean, that's a lot of wins. Um, and, and I talked about this earlier with teams getting off the field. And so one of the stats that, that I thought was interesting, you, first of all, you look at what do they have coming back? Well, they have five defensive starters coming back from a defense that was just, again, it's dreadful. Terrible. So they have to th- – their issue wasn't on fourth down. Their issue was on third down. And they talked about teams that were converting over 50% or more on the third down um, chances. And so to name a few teams, how about Central Michigan and Baylor, two pretty bad teams last year, went 50% or more on third down against them. Oklahoma, 46%. uh, Texas Tech, 47%. So these are not even – we're not even – other than Oklahoma, we're not even talking about these, uh, you know, top 10 type teams that are – converting consistently and when and when they only have five starters coming back from a defense that did that yeah i'm not feeling confident that they're going to get off the field that's another reason why i went under i'm, I'm going to go under also if i wanted to play devil's advocate i guess what you could say about these teams and their terrible defenses is within the big 12 they're all bad right is the you know so you could if you had a really good feeling about the season mason rudolph's going to have and and the and the the stat, it's weird. It's it's hard to say any staff there is great when the defense is that bad. But um, wouldn't you want to wouldn't you want to play for Gundy or no? I I I can never tell. I can never tell if I would if a week in all of his antics and the way he is would would just rub me the wrong way, or if I would feel really energized all season playing for that guy. I don't think I. I I think about this stuff a lot more than probably I, I would talk about, but I think about guys who I played for, and, and I had fortunately had a great high school coach and I had a great college coach, and they were both very similar in that they were more the Nick Saban type okay. than they were Which is the, the Mike Gundy type. Yeah. So I think I would, I would have a hard time responding to a Mike Gundy because – I don't think I would I, – I, it just doesn't – listening to him, I don't even trust him. Like, okay. he just seems like a used car salesman to me. <laughs> and he's a great coach. I'm not yeah, saying no, he's, he's not. he's had a good career. But I, I'm more of the – I like the old-school approach of a, of a Nick Saban. Like, Bill Snyder would be a guy that I would probably enjoy playing for. Sure. Um, you know, not the Hugh Freeze type, who's okay. clearly he's, just too He's got some issues. <laughs> got issues, yeah. So, I mean, probably like the party with Hugh Freeze, maybe when I was single. He sounds like a fun guy to Definitely. hang out with. Definitely, yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, so I I don't know. I mean, every kid has their own deal, and, and, you know, Mike Gundy clearly has had success. So he's getting kids, and he's doing well. 
and that's great for him. But uh, but I, I don't think I could play for him. That's uh, that's interesting. I I I know that you have a um, additional perspective on this just because you we've talked to you know off the air about some of the guy some of the coaches that you played for in college that uh, have come from some pretty successful you know coaching trees. Right. And a lot, you know a lot of, a, a lot of who's who. So you, so that's interesting that you. Uh, now, also as an offensive lineman, yeah, we talked about how uh, the offensive linemen pride themselves on being pretty sharp guys. That might have something to do with it. Yeah, you, you might you might appreciate the X's and O's, smart, well spoken, uh, especially on offense. Putting your offensive game plan together mm-hmm. over the course of the week, you might appreciate that more um, than uh, than other kids. Than all the smoke and mirrors and those kind yeah. of things, and I think that, you know, as an offensive lineman, you're you're either you're never going to get the praise. I don't, and I say never, knowing that there are people out there who recognize when a play goes well that that it had something to do with that. But but whenever things don't go well, it's always the first one, you know, to be blamed as the offensive line. So I like to think that, um, you know, I like to think that. As, as an offensive lineman and you think about the kind of coach you want to play for, you want someone who's no-nonsense because offensive line and defensive line are no-nonsense type positions. You know, you're not, you're not out there for the glory, certainly. So, anyway, that's my kind of long-winded answer of who I would probably like to play for. And you know what would be fun to do is in another show sometime, maybe when we're talking about whether college football players should be paid or not and all that kind of stuff, is who are the coaches that, that are out there that we want to play for and why? Oh, sure. And maybe who are the best coaches out there in college football right we, now? That, all that kind of stuff. We've had some fun conversations. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably good buddies about that over we'll the years. We'll probably have it later we're, today. We'll, we'll, we'll have to do buddies, that. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to do that on a on a pod later this yeah. season. So, all right, let's finish up Big Twelve with University of Texas. Mm-hmm. All right, they got the new head coach they want. They they went out and they got Tom Herman. So, one of the things that strikes me about this program this year is they're kind of out of excuses. Um, the n- not not this year, not 2017 necessarily, but the administration, uh, these powerful Texas boosters that you always hear and read about, um, they they are all on the same page with the same guy now. Right. I mean, they Charlie Strong was a you know some liked him and some didn't, and mm-hmm. now and now they've they've moved on to Tom Herman, so uh, they shouldn't have this af- divided athletic department or, or boosters. Um, Bouchelle, pretty good freshman quarterback, comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, talented defense. Well, by Big 12 standards, talented de- – and actually, no, I take that back. By recruiting standards, talented defense coming back with 10, 10 returning starters. Yep. And these are all highly rated guys. Right. Um, seven offensive starters coming back. So this is – I mean, uh, of the these kind of favorites in the Big 12 that we've talked about, Texas actually returns the most starters, 17. That's a lot – the schedule relatively workable um and i'll let you talk about that here in a second one of the things one of my question marks on them is and if you're a texas fan i guess you're hoping that that's what tom herman brings is does the program know how to win on a consistent basis because in in the past three four five years even when they have a big win like upset oklahoma right they'll follow it up by losing to someone terrible the next week so So Texas number mm-hmm. only seven and a half for over under. So let's talk about it. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, so looking at the schedule, they open up at Mar- against Maryland at home. 
Um, that, that should be a win. San Jose State should be a win at home as well. Then there's that game we talked about earlier at USC. and um, That's tough. That's tough. And, and so you start to think, you look at Texas, you see seven and a half wins, you go, man, that seems pretty low. But when you look at this schedule, they have a, a three-week run, and now these games are all at home, but they play Kansas State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State all at home right back to back to back. Yep. They absolutely have to win two of those three games if they're going to have a successful type season. Talk of them getting to a championship game to me are premature right now. Agreed. And it's more because of the unknown. The talent, I think, is probably there. It's just a matter of can he coach them up and, and with this roster and get them to do what, what he wants them to do. So your point about can they win or they, do they know how to win, I don't obviously know the answer to that. But my since we have to make a prognostication here, I, I, I don't think so yet. But okay. I do see big success for this team. I think next year we'll be talking about nine to nine and a half wins as they're over under um and, and so with that being said you look at the rest of their schedule i think it's manageable at baylor at tcu you know those are tough games um but certainly not the oklahoma kansas state and oklahoma state regimen that they're going to go through before that they finish up with kansas at home at west virginia and i don't think west virginia is going to be that good this year nope so um you know tough place to play no doubt and a big travel for them to get up there but i don't think that that should be as difficult as it might seem in other years. And then Texas Tech to end up the season at home. I'm going to go under. I really am. Um, And and maybe we'll disagree on this, which is great. But I just think they're they're still going to be feeling each other out this year. But, again, I see a a lot of success for Tom Herman at Texas. I think that's a great move for them and a great move for him. I think think you could see the next 10 years Texas starting to become – not only the the cream of the crop of the Big 12, but also I think they can start becoming a, a national title discussion uh, or in that discussion, you know, probably in the back half of that 10-year time frame. Yeah, or sooner. Or sooner. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I actually I'm going to go over. And Good. I, I just like felt like they can get to 8-4. and four. And, That'll be uh, a fun one for us to watch. And so we'll, so we'll definitely keep an eye on that. And – they're one of those uh, – I don't, I don't even know if people – you know how people love or hate Notre Dame or the yeah. New York Yankees or the Cowboys in the NFL? Right. I don't even know if people love or t- hate Texas. I just know that it's more interesting if Texas is relevant. It is more interesting. And I think that because of the lack of success that they've had in the last – you know, you take the last five years and then that a little bit of that is uh, Mac Brown's time towards the end. They weren't successful with him either. They haven't really done anything. So people kind of have been like, meh, hey, they recruit well, but they can't coach yeah. them up. Yeah. And that's been the issue. And and so even when they were good, though, like when Vince Young was there and then, you know, the great game against USC, which it was a great game, all those things, I, I never really had strong feelings one way or the other, like you said. Um, I don't know why, really, because you should, because they've always yeah. been a powerhouse. Uh, but but they, well, I, I don't, except I, they have – they, they have, do have long droughts. They're Texas, but they have these long <laughs> yeah, droughts, longer and, than most. And yeah. I think that's part of why a lot of people are are indifferent, because they actually haven't been that dominant. They're they're not. Uh, not that Alabama can't have a drought as well, but they're they're not Alabama. And they did. They're they're not. Yeah. Um, 
they're not uh, Ohio State. How about Ohio, oh, Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, it's, they, it's, it's tough to argue they haven't always been a, a really good program. Um, Texas has some bad years and it, consecutively, so um, I think that's a big part of why people are indifferent because you don't see them all the time in the big time bowl games and college football playoff now. And I, I think if anything, you could say they've underachieved. As you a, could say as they've a, underachieved as a program, but people don't hate underachievers. And that's why I mean, I think that might. I guess if we're trying to find out why, maybe that's the reason. Yeah. I mean, they just aren't. You know, so they're not the New York Yankees, and they're not the Cowboys. They haven't had the, the even the huge successes. I mean, yeah. how many? I, I don't even know off the top of my head how many national championships they've won. But only, it's only not the, as many as you might think. Only, and a lot of only, them were probably back. When, I mean, only the one in our lifetime, I, I believe. Yeah, and we know one they didn't win against Syracuse in 1959. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um. There was a really cool, this is a total side, uh, there was a really cool Athlon Sports who I always, one of the things I do on this podcast is I always talk about uh, people who can't get enough football, which is most people I know. Anybody listening to this yeah. podcast is probably that um, person. Yeah. The Athlon College Sports, the Athlon College Football Podcast is really good, and they also do, they still actually produce a really good magazine that you buy in the store every year. Uh, their podcast is good, their website. And one of the things they did this year was the top, 50 college football players of like the past 50 years and it was really cool um and vince young was at the mm-hmm. right at the top of that list and uh and i i never know i i can be persuaded in so many different ways um when it comes to who is the best i i take for me and i don't I don't think you're you're a few years older than me, but I don't think you're old enough to have really appreciated Herschel Walker or Bo Jackson in college. Not in college, no. So I take them out. Yep. And then I say, who are like the? It's just interesting to go through this list. You should check it out if you're bored. You can Google it. Um, but Vince Young, Tebow, Reggie Bush, mm-hmm. um, one that you'll appreciate, uh, Orlando Pace. Oh yeah. Uh, and Dominican yeah. Sue. Yep. Um, but Vince Young is right there. Yeah. I mean, Vince Young is absolutely right there. What what he did, uh, what what he did with Texas, as far as watching, really two seasons when they beat Michigan in the Rose mm-hmm. Bowl, and and he said we'll be back, and they yeah. were, and um, he was. It's just looking back on it, I didn't appreciate how great he was at the time. He was a tremendous college football player. And you think about, so we talked about Texas underachieving as a program. And during that time, you know, clearly they were very talented, as they usually are. I think of him and and Cam Newton in the same light because uh, they're two very similar type quarterbacks, number one, in in physical stature and in their type of play. But they both elevated a program that has potentially underachieved annually lifted them to the highest of highs. Now, Vince Young did it two years in a row because they beat Michigan and then yeah. they came back and played USC in the in the Rose Bowl. But to me, what would Texas have been without Vince Young? Gosh. I mean, they're number one, there's two Rose Bowl wins they wouldn't have had and one national championship. I mean, yeah. anybody else playing quarterback for them. And then we're talking about their last national championship being like in the 1970s. Right. Something. Back when it, every year it was either Oklahoma or Texas yeah. winning the national championship, maybe with, you know, a Nebraska sprinkled sure. in the early. But I mean, it was 
to me, that's that's how good of a player he was and how he elevated a, a mediocre-type program, in yeah. my opinion, or an underachieving one. USC, USC had more talent on the field than that Rose Bowl. Which, and there's not, not a lot of teams that can say that against Texas, especially during that Because yeah. that's when Texas – That's when they took off. That's And that's when I started to really follow recruiting more because then all the recruiting services were starting to come mm-hmm. up in the mid-early 2000s. Yeah. You know, like – and I started following those things, and every year it felt like Texas was like number one or or definitely in the top five. Yeah, and you're like they're going to be amazing because all they have and to they do is just be. win their state. That's all. Well, exactly. Yeah, but but USC was one of the few teams that can say they have more talent. But because it was also the height he, of the USC rock star era. I mean, those teams, boy, that was awesome. But but he he did that. Vince Young did it. He lifted them to, and single handedly did it because without him. They're not they're, there. They're, they're you could say there. without the right tackle, well, they probably still would have been there because they'd probably have another amazing five-star tackle. Yeah. But, yeah, but there's only one Vince There's Young. only one Vince Young. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just – we're in agreement, So, but I just think it's crazy how, how they've underachieved in general, though. Yeah. And what a uh, great player he is. So they'll – but they'll uh, – we'll see if they can start to get back on track. Um, all right, now from, uh, fr- from the Big mm-hmm. 12 – we are going to move to the Big Ten. I actually think this is where this is going to get really good. Yeah. Um, because I'm excited for the Big Ten and the SEC and the ACC, all three. All right. Um, Big Ten, we're going to start right away with with uh, one of everybody's favorites, and that's Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost a lot of talent last year, but they should be okay, I think, because of some pretty great recruiting. Um, one of the things that's been so, – and so this is – Michigan only re- returns – five total starters this year. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that's been lost in the in the in the discussion there is that a lot of this year's new starters got a lot of playing time as reserves last year. Mm-hmm. Harbaugh did a really good job with that. So uh, I don't think the fact that they only returned five starters is as alarming as it sounds. Um, and I think the schedule is actually pretty favorable. They have a big non-conference opener with Florida, but I'm just not too impressed with Florida. Well, and then things got a little bit easier for them in the last week with Florida mm-hmm. basically dismissing seven players yeah. and you yeah, know, or including suspending like, seven players, including their only talented offensive playmaker. <laughs> yeah, so um, I like their chances in that opener, um, and then they they they've got. They've got to go to Penn State and they got to go to Wisconsin, but they get Ohio State at home, and otherwise, I don't see much on the schedule that scares me. If I'm a Michigan fan, mm-hmm. so this is this is a toughie because the number's nine. The number's nine, and so again, I fell on a push, and here's why. Really? Okay. But I'm gonna have to make a choice, and I made my choice. But that Florida game, if you asked me this two weeks ago, I said it's it's definitely a toss up. I mean, wow, I really okay. thought that. I think Florida. I think, do, do, do you okay? Hold on. And this now we're probably gonna get too much into detail of one game, but do you say that, or did you say that up until a week ago, just based on the fact that Florida is still gonna have a pretty stout defense and would ugly up the game, and Michigan uglies 100%. up some games, and you're picturing a 13-10 in the fourth quarter type of anybody's game? That's exactly okay. it. And I'm all, right. all I could picture for some reason when I saw the schedule and I saw Florida on it. I mean, I knew about it prior to looking at it, but. All I can think of is some taxlayer.com 
Gator Bowl. We're watching at your house on Christmas <laughs> party time. And, like it's just a, it's raining in Orlando and it's a yeah. slog fest and a slug fest okay. and a slog fest because yeah, it's both. raining. So like all I could picture was this ugly game and Florida's defense is is very talented and they're gonna just muck it up. Okay. And so I thought it's gonna be a tough game. I still thought even then, hey, I think Michigan could win the game. Now I think that they will win the game. Yeah. Then they they have a couple of easy home games, Cincinnati Air Force. Um, luckily, no Appalachian State on the schedule this year, so we're, we're good. No 10-year anniversary? <laughs> I thought they might bring him back. Um, at Purdue, I mean, Purdue is a perdon't. They're a yep. joke. By week. They're in rough shape. They're in rough shape. Um, Michigan State, you know, any other year, I think – I just don't think Michigan State is, is going to have that year this year. I think and – I, and I actually like the program that they have there, um, and you and I have spoken about it. But I just think this is going to be a down year for them. Um, I love their coaching staff, though. At Indiana is interesting because you just you know Indiana is kind of one of those weird teams that They're, they've they've gotten I would better. argue they've gotten better and taken a lot of steps in the right direction. It's just they play in maybe the toughest division in college football. So and that's the problem. Um, and I think uh, I think that's going to be an interesting game. I think they'll win. Here's where I think we're going to start to see. In my opinion, if I have to make a choice, at Penn State, um, at Wisconsin, and then Ohio State, those are three losses, in my opinion. I just, Ooh, okay. I, I just, I so, know Ohio State's at home, but they, I still, I, I feel like they're still just slightly below Ohio State, and it's slightly because the gap is certainly closed from where it was. Um, so I'm going to say – I'm just going to go ahead and say the reason I'm going over is because I, I, I'm I looking at the same four games that you are, Florida, at Penn State, at Wisconsin, and then Ohio. And I just think – So you think they're going to win two of them then? Yeah, and I think they're going to beat Florida easily. Not easily. I think they're going to win. And we agree on that one. So then even if they even if they go 0 for 3, you're going to push – but we can't push, so I have to go under or yeah, over. But I, so I'm yeah. saying they're going to go. Well, actually, in this case, I'm saying they're going to go nine and three, which is a push. That's so a, I'm going to go over. I'm going to say they're going to they're they're going to win one of those three. Well, I I'm trying to find another loss here. Here's all right. Let me let me let me say this about the Wisconsin game. If with with Michigan. And I just talked about how I think actually their their returning starter number is a little deceptive because I think a lot of these guys played minutes and will be fine. But still, some inexperience. Normally, I like Wisconsin's home field advantage the later the season goes on. This year, as a Wisconsin fan, I really wish the Wisconsin-Michigan game was early, like a Big Ten opener, something like that. Because Why I, is that? Well, because... Michigan having some inexperience, um, I think they'll be a different team. Mm-hmm. It's fair. Labor Day weekend versus November. Um, so I would I would uh, I would feel more comfortable if Wisconsin was having them come to Camp Randall in late September okay. as opposed to November. I think Michigan rolls in there in uh, in November, and I think these guys have gotten better and better as the season goes on. And I, and I think that could be problematic 
for Penn State and Ohio State too. I mean, they have all of them at the end of the year mm-hmm. or, or second half at least of the season. So that's why I, I think I, I'd be shocked if they go 0-3. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with it because it'll make it fun, and I really, I. I so you're gonna go under. You think Michigan's going eight and eight and four? Wow. Okay. Yeah. That will be. You know what's gonna be interesting is, um, so Harbaugh comes in and has some pretty immediate success, right? But now, this is kind of a rebuild year, right? And then going forward, it's all. I mean, it's entirely his program from this year forward. Yep. So, um, it'll just be interesting. He he deservedly gets a lot of credit, but there are quietly some. It just if somebody wants to to just to play devil's advocate, there's some quiet kind of, well, have they really won huge games yet at Michigan? That, uh, that 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 Michigan expects to win, and um, I don't know had had some weird losses like the Michigan State oh, blocked yeah. punt game and yeah the Iowa game last year and so um, they haven't quite gotten to where they want to be and now this year's a they're saying is kind of a rebuild year so at this time next year when we're talking about Michigan going into 2018 right then um, they they should be a Highly ranked, you know, in the preseason type of team, right? I think we're looking at 10, 10 and a half as they're over under. Yeah, next this year. time next year. And I would, and that'll be, yeah, I mean, depending on their schedule, difficult as well. But I'm going to stick under because I do, you said rebuild. And I, that's a word I wasn't going to throw out, but in my mind, it's been bouncing around for Michigan. I mean, it, it, you're in a, you know, you're a good program when a rebuild is your number is nine. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, It'll be interesting. We have a couple good ones here that we've talked about that you and I have di- differed on that I think will be fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, all, absolutely. You know, and um, certainly it comes down to a big night out at the Blarney. You know, so that's that's there important. we go. Um, all right, S- staying in the state there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's crazy how things change in a hurry. Michigan State, up until Harbaugh taking that job, and actually Harbaugh's first year, Michigan State won the Big Ten. Um, they had really ascended. We just talked. You just talked about liking their their staff there. Uh, all of a sudden, last year, really rough year for them, three and nine. Yep. So, kind of a huge unexpected step backwards. Um, and now it's going to be tough to bounce back quickly with the Big Ten East so challenging. Right. Now they could, if they can beat Notre Dame in week three, they mm-hmm. could have a nice three and zero start, hmm. which would put them on their way towards a number that's only six and a half. Um, I will uh, I will will start with what I noticed about their schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, I think three and zero start is w- certainly within the realm of possibility. Um, but that that would require beating Notre Dame week three, and then week four Iowa. They've got at Michigan, at Minnesota, at Northwestern, kind of a sneaky tough game. Penn State. At Ohio State, so I added, you know, so I added up, and I've got, you know, that's seven seven games that I consider losable, mm-hmm. and then I kind of did my plus one, 
because I'm thinking, you know, there's probably somebody else in the schedule somewhere else that I that maybe sneaks up on them. I, I just think they're in for another tough year. Now they have a nice finish with Maryland and Rutgers. So if they if they're at you know if they're going into the last couple games and they're five and five, then uh, th- then they put themselves in a nice spot to get to seven and five, cover this number, mm-hmm. and um, you know get onto some sort of bowl game. Only nine returning starters, uh, four offense, five defense. I don't know if that's – we talk about it like it's a bad thing most of the time. After kind of last year's disaster, maybe that works in their favor, um, that, uh, that, that that they're not returning as many guys from, from, from such a – I would imagine emotionally disastrous season. That must have been really tough on that program with yeah. the with the level they had attained and going and beating Stanford in the Rose Bowl and playing in the college football playoff and and uh, to go three and nine last year. So kind of a fresh start this year, but I think gonna be really tough for them to hit seven wins. What do you think? Um, I agree. I have them under and I actually I don't have them starting three and0 just as a little aside. Because one of the teams I think that's going to knock them off early is Western Michigan. Um, and, and I think you and I have spoken a little bit about that coaching staff being a lot of the guys from Syracuse. And, and yep. um, you know, I think they're building something there. And I could see them going in and winning that game for them, for Western Michigan. So, okay. so I looked at, as usual, what, what games can they win? And I didn't come up with a lot. Because right. other than Bowling Green and Rutgers – you think Maryland's a, a tough game? Maryland's going to be a tough game. I mean, the only good part for them is that it's at home. Yeah. But by that point in the season, if they only have three or four or five wins, whatever it is, what kind of crowd, what kind of atmosphere are you going to have? That's um, tough. You know, it's senior day. But what I just think, and Maryland is, again, a, a, a team that we don't know a lot about. I mean, are they getting better? We haven't looked at them, so I don't know enough about them, but they're kind of a sleeping giant. We've not talked about that gonna, a lot. They're not going to do it this year, but they're going to be competitive it's in some, some regard, especially against an equal this season, which I think is Michigan State. So long long story short here, I, I think I went under, agree with you. Me too. I don't see them having a great season, especially when you look at they only bring back nine starters combined from a bad team. And, yeah, that could be a good thing, but – uh, could also be a bad thing. So we'll, I, I just I think this is a pretty tough schedule. And you know what else they is not working in their favor? Whoever made their schedule didn't do them a favor of putting a bye week in week three, because they have Bowling Green, Western Michigan at home, and then they have a bye week. Never understood that. I don't get it either. Wisconsin and that's happened that to Syracuse a bunch of times too. too. And, and, like, and I I never understood that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we uh, so some consensus there on the under. Um, yep. I, I actually think so. It's at six and a half. I actually think six and six would be a good season for them based on last oh. year. If they can in that division get back to six and six, I go to a ball. I think that'd be good. I don't see them winning six games, but I think if they did, it'd be great for them. So that's an easy under then. Yep. Um, okay. We have some more uh, Big Ten, and I'm kind of excited about some of these. Uh, yeah. Minnesota. Yep. All right, so my opinion, Minnesota made one of the best off-season hires with P.J. Fleck. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think he so, – and this is interesting because we, we talked with Gundy a minute ago about 
coaches and who you want to play for. And I think for Minnesota, he's the perfect hire. Mm -hmm. And my reason for that is if he shows up at Ohio State or Alabama with all these um, Row the boat. you know, four-star recruits that are on their way to the NFL and he's rowing the boat and whatever else, <laughs> I don't think that plays well. No. At Minnesota, whose number is seven and a half, and I think that's about right with, with where they've gone with their program here in the last three to five years, um, I think it's perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think it's going to go over well. Um, sort of like when Peterson went from Boise to Washington. Yeah. And I thought, you know, all the success at Boise, that, that doesn't mean he's necessarily well situated to go win at USC. But Washington might be perfect. And P.J. Fleck coming from the MAC, mm -hmm. not to Ohio State or Penn State, but to Minnesota, I think might be perfect because there's still going to be some chip on your shoulder, um, trying to knock off the big guys type of mentality that you need. Right. And I, so for these reasons, I think he's the right hire. Um, and like I said, uh, I'm, if I'm a Minnesota fan, I'm pretty, because I think with college sports, certainly with college football, that a big part of being a fan of any program is expectations. Yep. So if you're Minnesota and you look at where you were for most of your existence, and then you look at right now um, in the past three to four or five years with their new stadium, mm -hmm. this higher now, and, and the fact that they are, if not winning all the time, but playing really competitive games with Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Um, I think I, I think they're in a good spot. Um, they also have, especially at the beginning of their schedule this year, really favorable. Gets tough down the stretch. Um, but 7.5 is the number. 14 retarding, re returning starters, 8 on offense, 6 on defense. Um, now, some of that's misleading because quarterback and some other areas, they've got some challenges. But at 7.5, what do you think about this, uh, what I would call emerging program? I agree with everything you said about about that program and about P.J. Fleck. There, there has to be hope if you're a Gophers fan. Um, I like the hire a lot. And I think you look at great offseason hires. We talked about Tom Herman being a great fit, yep. and that was one. And I think the one of the other ones that would be right up there is, is this one with P.J. Fleck. Um, you know, because the mentality at Western Michigan, it's that Midwestern, the Midwestern values, a lot of the same recruiting grounds sure. that, that Minnesota will be going after. Um, and it's, he's, uh, I watched a special on him on the Big Ten Network uh, a couple days ago, and I was, you know, I was impressed. I mean, I already knew a decent amount about him, but there was other things that in his personal life and his coaching life that I wasn't aware of. And I thought it was pretty interesting to watch, and it made me respect him even more. Um, the whole row the boat, all that kind of stuff, that never was anything I would be into. Yeah. But I like it. If I was a, if he was coaching at Syracuse, um, I would say, hey, that I can buy into that because it sure. gives you something. You know, it's something to grab onto. Um, so I agree with all that, and and I look at their schedule, and I look at a seven and a half number, which I agree is about where they kind of should be. Um, they open up at home against Buffalo, and you know. The Bills, the Bills have made a lot of offseason moves this year, and I think that Minnesota probably still will beat the Bills. Minnesota's favored by 25, which is about right. 
kidding around people. I'm not that stupid. I know they're not uh, playing the Bills. But, you know, they're going to beat Buffalo. Um, but then things get a little tough. They're at Oregon State. And, again, that kind could of be a peer-type school where they're 8-7-win yes. type team. And on the road, which out there in Corvallis can be tough. Wisconsin lost there about five years ago. Yep. So I, I see that being a game that you have to think about, right? So then Middle Tennessee is another game you have to think about. and we're, That's we're a gonna, tough one. So I, I actually – We'll talk about them later. <laughs> I could see them going one and two to okay. open up the season, potentially, or two and one. I don't think they're going to go three and with that with that really? schedule. You no. think – okay. They're either going to be one and two or two and one. Let's but, say let, So let's say they split those. Okay, two and one. And they're two and one. Then you've got Maryland – Perdon't Michigan State, Illinois, mm-hmm. and they could be six and one. Mm-hmm. They could be going into a game, a big game at Iowa. Yep, I don't see them winning a game the rest of the season. Okay, let's go through them. They've got at, at Iowa, Iowa, at Michigan, Nebraska, at Northwestern, and Wisconsin. I don't. I That's I tough. see them being a six and six team this year. Okay. Well, even um, if they win seven, we're still under. I'm that, under. That's why I was going to go so, under because yeah. seven is still an under. Um, yeah. I expect them to be competitive in a lot of these games, though. Yeah. I expect them to play well, be competitive in a lot of these games, but the, the schedule gets brutal down the stretch. And like you said, if they get into a little slump late season, that can be difficult. Um, they could be, like I said, they, they, they could be six and one. And um, it could be. Having Michigan, having Michigan State at home, I feel better about saying that. And mm-hmm. but they could be one of those teams that, and this happens where these teams that start like six and one, seven and zero, oh, and all of a sudden they're ranked like number eleven in the country, right? And then they just a free fall. Yeah, and then they're playing in the Detroit Bowl. <laughs> I I just put a gold star next to that uh, Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, next to uh, Minnesota because. I also put one next to Washington to make sure that I remember when I leave here to go to my investment quote unquote yep, group your club. To, to to put something down because I I'm strongly believing that seven and a half is a wee bit high for those boys. Okay, so. fair enough. Uh, I I agree with you. Um, I like you said seven and five. You still hit the under. So okay, uh, sticking to the Big Ten West for a second here, uh, Nebraska. All right, year three for Coach Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, nice jump. From I thought from six to nine wins in the second year. Um, intriguing schedule because mm-hmm. they get Wisconsin and Ohio State in Lincoln. They go to Penn State. Um, otherwise, I think c- kind of a workable schedule. Um, they have to find, well, they have found a new quarterback after what seems like a decade of Tom- Tommy Armstrong, uh, and that's Tanner Lee transfer from Tulane who's getting all sorts of love um, in the press uh, more of a Mike Riley type of quarterback um, mm-hmm. he doesn't traditionally have the running quarterback that he had with uh, with Tommy Armstrong so uh, oh and not just that but uh, as far as major changes in the program but also uh, brought in Bob Diaco yep. to be the defensive coordinator mm-hmm. so interest it'll be interesting to see if they can improve from kind of the mediocrity on defense that we've seen from them past couple of years. Um, only 10 returning starters, uh, four on offense, six on defense. And uh, their number, actually a, a half a game less than Minnesota. Nebraska's number, only a seven. This was a tough one. 
not not as easy as some of the others. So um, there's a couple games on here. You you just hit on a few of them, but there's also a game at Oregon. Yep. Right? So they got at Oregon, uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, both at home that you talked about, um, and then you're at Penn State. That's and a at tough Minnesota. One. At Minnesota, I think tough that's too. gonna be tough too. So that's where this seven really, you know, I struggle with. Um, you know, I, I think that um, I'm gonna have to to go under here as well, um, and and I have to say that Coach Riley, when he was hired, that had to be one of the more, in my opinion, underwhelming hires, and to me, the fit. I didn't see it as much as some of the other ones we just talked about, like with Coach Herman and and uh, PJ Fleck, and I I just think that Nebraska certainly has a, a rich history, and they're not fertile recruiting grounds. We know that. No, they have their their success depends on being nationally recruiting, which has be- become more difficult. Difficult. It's become them. more difficult, and and so the job is obviously more difficult. You're not getting kids from Texas as much as in, in Florida. California and Florida that they were getting before. Um, and I feel like um, you look at some of the hires they've made over the past few go rounds, and it hasn't been. It's also been underwhelming, in my opinion. But I, I'm going to go under. That being said, and I'm also going to throw a little caveat out that I think uh, Coach Riley is, you know, he's severely on the hot seat, in my opinion. Really? You don't talk about it. You don't hear it much. But I, I really believe that he has to be because they have such high expectations out there. They do. That winning six and seven, even eight games isn't going to do it for them. Well, especially after they ran Bo Pelini well, out. Well, exactly. Who, they ran him out. Who, who was doing? Who did? Gosh, this is such a. Uh, this is this is a, and I say this as someone who married into a Nebraska football family. Right. My, my father-in-law, very proud uh, Nebraska alum, mm-hmm. and uh, he and Will I. Will he be listening to this? Probably. Okay, and, cool. uh, so you'd probably he I, agree with me then. He, well, he, <laughs> and he and I watch a tremendous amount of college football together. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it, I don't, I don't know if it's good or bad that uh, Nebraska joined the uh, the Big Ten uh, right around the time that my wife and I started dating. Um, the same division as Wisconsin, but mm-hmm. uh, I think Nebraska. You talked about the expectations. So a few things about Nebraska. I think that. Nebraska fans, this is just my opinion, but knowing some of them, um, my, my father-in-law being from there, I think that Nebraska fans have those really high expectations. They certainly wish that that um, Coach Osborne and Tommy Frazier were coming out of the tunnel to sure. play Colorado in a big game. Right. Um, but I think they're a lot better than, say, Notre Dame fans about accepting new realities. Mm-hmm. I think Notre Dame fans are, are really insane <laughs> about yeah. um, still thinking that it's 1988. I think Nebraska fans are slowly accepting some of the challenges with the program in, in the way college football has changed in the last 20 years. But the expectations are still sky high. And then the Bo Pelini thing, I never... I never totally understood why they wanted him out so bad because I felt like if you're winning nine games a year right, and you're always comp- – there, there was some sort of crazy stat when they fired him. It was like him and Saban were the only two coaches that had at least nine wins five years in a row, something like that. Yeah. Um, 
Now Saban's at eleven and twelve, and Pelini's at nine, so it's not the same. But right. still, um, I thought that because then when you do that, when when nine wins every year is not good enough. That's a lot of expectations on Riley or whoever it is that you bring in next, right? Right, and I was underwhelmed and because he, he wasn't and necessarily doing well, that age, at Oregon State. His either. age, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Oregon State it was they were no powerhouse no. and um or even like overachieving Pac-12 school no, really. They were middle of the road. Middle of the road. It doesn't mean I don't think he's a really good football mind. Like we were talking about like oh, smart no. coaches versus yeah. rah-rah coaches, lots of NFL totally experience. Agree. Yeah. Lifelong coach. Yeah. So I think a really good coach. But the other thing that sort of worried me about it if I'm being a Nebraska fan for a second is um his age. Yeah. I mean, he's not Bill Snyder, but he's not young. Yeah. So that just seems like that seemed like a weird um, move to me exactly. to bring in someone at that age. Because if you're Nebraska, you want to be bringing in somebody that's going to be here for twenty years potentially, right? Right. I mean, that's the type of program that Nebraska is. You want to bring in a PJ Fleck or a Tom Herman, someone be, young. Your next Osborne, yeah, that becomes this iconic Nebraska right. guy. And you know how many how many years is Riley going to coach yet? Well, if he keeps winning like he has been, it won't be many. <laughs> but they also, yeah. but they also were so, they were also so anti Bo Pelini. Yeah, they were. That they now were they're going to look. They ridic- fired me. <laughs> I mean, they just want to look. We all they, know the reason he got fired. He but, carried a cat out of the tunnel. <laughs> and that was that was the one fireable offense. That was a, definitely a fireable, <laughs> and that's when I knew I didn't want to play for that guy. Yeah. The cat was a fireable yeah. offense. The rest of it, I thought they right. when they got mad at him for having a temper. Uh, oh, I think that's ridiculous. Just, just yeah. fucking go to high school varsity football practice yeah. for a couple weeks in August. Yeah, and because um, Brian Kelly always takes heat for that too, and yeah. and it's just like grow up. Yeah, it's football. Yeah, it's football. We're not <laughs> playing. Yeah, we're not playing badminton. And they and and the Polini's players loved him. Oh, absolutely. Pelini's players loved him. Yep. And so that sort of bothered me with the way they ran him out. But I just think the – like, I think I think Riley actually gets more of a leash because they don't see a Polini-type side to mm-hmm. him. And he's probably even – even if the fans and alumni and boosters want to win more, the fact that they just hated Polini so much at the end um, – I don't know. I, th- I think once you run Polini out, then Riley has to get three or four years because you wanted to get rid of the other guy so bad. I, right. I don't know. I I, I think that uh, I'm higher on them this year than you are with the seven number. Yeah. Um, at Oregon is tough but winnable. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to – I saw that Wisconsin was a 10-point favorite already in that that game. What do you think? In Lincoln. It's a big number. Wisconsin had to had to beat them in overtime last year at Camp Randall. Yeah. And then the year before, Wisconsin needed a field goal on the last play of the game yeah. to win by one in Lincoln. I it's a big number. Just, I, I think that game is close. They're not going to beat Ohio State. No. At Minnesota is winnable. They're not going to win at Penn State. Nope. Iowa at home, winnable. I'm I'm going to go over. Okay. Even though seven and five sounds right, where Vegas has it at seven. Right. Since but we're I'm not allowed to push. 
we're not allowed to push and you're going under so i'll, I'll go over just okay. uh just for the hell of it i it's fun i, I, I like it. you know we're gonna find out in a hurry if uh if tanner lee is as good as advertised um that's that's the new thing these transfer quarterbacks and we really yeah. don't know how it's going to turn out but no nebraska always an interesting program to uh to follow um another one historically big time program is penn state and their number is nine and a half uh impressive finish in 2016 um i, I kind of talked about usc feeling stable with their mm-hmm. coaching and penn state to me feels that way right now mm-hmm. as well um great great offensively um the second half of last season and then they bring their quarterback back and they bring back their awesome tailback um so i think the program has a lot of momentum and now it's kind of like can you sustain it mm-hmm. um if you wanted to play a devil's advocate you could talk about how they had a lot of things bounce the right way in 2016 just right down to that ohio state game um with the special teams touchdown right. and just so uh schedule's pretty brutal um starting in late october with at michigan they've got at ohio state at michigan state uh and nebraska so uh the good news for them 16 returning starters nine on offense the offense i think based on what we saw them do the second half of last season i think they should come back and and be uh really quite a force um but the number's nine and a half, and I'll, I'll let you start on this one. Uh, what are you thinking? So I, I was looking at the schedule, and I agree. Uh, the one little thing here, you said at Michigan, they're actually playing Michigan at home. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Yep, so that's that to me changes that a little bit, right? Cause but they do play at Ohio State. But it's brutal because you're right. This stretch that you've pointed out, Michigan at home, at Ohio State, at Michigan State, and then a, basically a bye week playing Rutgers, and then Nebraska at home. So that's that's a tough stretch there because you look at let's start off Akron win Pitt at home win Georgia State win at Iowa win Indiana at home win at Northwestern win so I have them starting off before their bye week going six and zero and then that stretch we just talked about and then it ends with Maryland at, on the road which will be a home game for Penn State if you've ever spent yeah. any time oh, yeah. that's that's home territory for them so just like when they played here exactly. <laughs> It really is. So I actually I think that they're going to come through this stretch. I think they're going to beat Michigan. They're going to lose to Ohio State. They're going to beat Michigan State. And I think they're going to beat Nebraska. This actually, to me, tough schedule, but not as difficult for me to go with an over. And yeah. that's what I'm going with. Yeah. Me too. Um, I expect big things from them this year. Yeah. And uh, James Franklin signed to his new contract. You talked about security. Yep. They're secure. He's getting paid. What was he like? One of the top five, yeah, or and it, so paid coaches in college football. So, and you, you've, um, you've lived in in Western Pennsylvania and played yeah. college football there. Um, it's a, I, I think, when uh, whether it's Penn State for college fans, whether it's the Steelers, I I think that uh, it's as, I think that part of the country that that part of Pennsylvania I think is. Uh, is as good as anywhere for football yep. and 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 just the excitement when their teams are are relevant yeah um i think penn state on a game day is uh is just as exciting as as an sec environment i, I think it's agree. great yeah so um so yeah. i think for franklin i think it because i 
I think there's a lot of talk about how he would bolt back to the SEC, and I, I don't see it. Why would you? He's playing in a division th- that's really just as good as the SEC West right now. Right. Um, well, I, I would say it's better. Or, or better. But, I mean, and yes, any given year it varies. Any given year yeah. it varies, but it's it's so good. And when uh, w- w- when you have that, that triumvirate of uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, all playing at, at this level in that division right now, I, I really think you're on top of college football right yeah. there. Um, it's it's an awesome environment, and I, I, I if I'm him, I'd be more than happy leading that program. Yeah, and he could have a, a from a tenure standpoint, a Joe Pa type career there, where he's there 20 years, and and um, you know every every couple of years you're competing for a national championship, but you're always competitive, and and I think. It, you look at the recruiting grounds around there. I mean, they they, they tap into that DMV area, the DC, yep. Maryland, Virginia area, heavy. But then in Pennsylvania, I mean, you're smack dab in the middle between Philly and Pittsburgh. Sure. Two huge. I mean, you can talk about all the number of high school programs in yeah. those two it's cities. A, it's a great high school and state. everything in between. But then you also have Ohio and New Jersey and New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. I mean, yeah, that's a whole other thing. So they're they're situated and you, well. And you're and you're back to reestablishing yourself. As the only premier Northeastern football program. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's yeah. nobody. I mean, Pitt's not close. There's nobody. No. No, you'll have discussion. Even you go back into the 60s, 70s, 80s, and the, even the 50s, it, Penn State primarily was that team, but you'd have a Syracuse jump up every few mm-hmm. years, and then a Pitt would jump over West Virginia. I mean, it's once in a while for those schools. Yeah. It's consistent it's always. for Penn State. Even in their bad years, they were competitive, they're still getting top talent. They're still getting over 100,000 people at every single game. That's amazing. They're, they are an SEC program in, in the yeah. Northeast, basically. Yeah. So, and uh, so that yeah, so so we're both high on them. I yep. think, uh, and I think for all good reasons. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, one more Big Ten before we move to the SEC, yeah. and uh, I have to put this one on the list. It's Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, I checked again today, and the number was ten and a half, and I just, I'm shocked by that. This this is that that's. You know that's like what we see from uh, USC and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, now Wisconsin's schedule pretty yeah. favorable this year, so that's great. Um, the team overachieved by most standards, I think, last year. They bring back a high number of starters, but they kind of always do. Like mm-hmm. Stanford, they're that kind of yeah. program. Um, they still have some quarterback. They still have some serious questions, despite a return a returning starter. Um, now the defense has been really good for a couple of years now, but Jim Jim Leonard going to mm-hmm. be the defensive coordinator um, after only one year as an assistant. Lost their team captain, a guy named Jack Sitchi, linebacker. He's out for the season. Um, probably was going to be their best defensive player, so that is a really tough loss. Um, they also, d- despite some success, you know, 10, 11 win seasons the past couple of years, they've struggled to be dominant running the ball. And that that's it'll be interesting to see um, if they can get back to that. Uh, the offensive line should be, despite losing uh, Ryan Ramchick to the mm-hmm. NFL, should be pretty darn good. Um, the only uh, Big Ten East team that they have to face, they don't have Penn State and Ohio State this year. Only Michigan. That game is in Madison. So all of that being said, the numbers at ten and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he now I'm I'm always uh, 
fearful of the worst for them. So, uh, so what I added up was at BYU is losable. At Nebraska, I think, is absolutely losable. Iowa at home, before people say, well, they should win that game, they lost at home to Iowa two years ago. Uh, they got Michigan coming in late in the season when I think Michigan will be gelling and playing better. Uh, and then they go to Minnesota. Uh, they've won something like 13 in a row mm -hmm. in that series, so at some point it's going to end. Um, so I think they definitely, definitely have enough losable games for me to safely take the under here. They're also, unlike the Wisconsin teams of uh, when they kind of hit in, in this recent era, they peaked with the three Rose Bowls, 2010 to 12-ish, yep. and they would blow teams out. I mean, they would. their offensive line was so dominant, um, and then the year they had Russell Wilson, which is a, you know, that's an exception, not the rule, but uh, putting up 40 points was very pedestrian for them. They would put up 45, 50 points, no problem. Despite some success the past couple of years, and they play close games, um, they don't blow anyone out. And because of that, mm -hmm. and the fact they end up in some close games, sometimes with teams that aren't that good, 10.5 just scares me. Um, uh, I think 10 and 2 would still be a pretty decent season for them. And that's why I'm going to go under. So I'm going to, I totally understand that. And we've talked about, you know, how you look at your own team and, yep. and your feelings on that. So vicariously through you, I am a, uh, a Wisconsin fan. And I enjoy watching them, but I don't have the um, the same feelings towards the school where I, I can't say, hey, I'm gonna go under or maybe bet against them because I have some emotional attachment. Um, your rationale for bet for picking the under was was very good. I'm gonna take it a step further though because I not only am gonna pick the over, but I've actually in my investment club put money down. On the over, so okay. I've gone all in. My chips are. In Did the you get it at table. nine and a half? At ten and a half? Just nine out of half, curiosity. Yeah. Okay. But nonetheless, because when you and I talked Fourth of July weekend, it was yeah. nine and a half, yeah. and then the over made more sense. Yeah. Now at ten and a half, that would be a tougher. That would be a tougher sell with monopoly money. <laughs> and so that's why in in the nine and a half, which I it was the one I got in the investment club, um, I went over. But for this, Sam, you're spot on. I mean, there, this schedule is very manageable. Oh, it's um, it's the easiest in the Big Ten. It is, but you're you're so you're so right about some of these games that are scary, like at Minnesota at the end of the season. Who knows what Minnesota is playing for? And obviously, you hope Wisconsin certainly you expect them to be playing for something. God, can you? But PJ Fleck rowing the boat and playing for the axe. Yeah, I, I mean, mean they're, they're going to be amped up, or they're going to, or Wisconsin wins and they take the axe and they chop up the boat. I don't know what's going to happen. That would be great. But, um, but I do think there's there's. A few games that uh, that scare me. The at Nebraska certainly is one. At uh, BYU, they could Minnesota, get tripped up. BYU. So for that reason, similar to you, because the number is ten and a half, I'm going to go under. Okay. Had it been the nine and a half that we originally talked about, then I would have gone over because I have put my money where my mouth is, somewhere else. They, they that, could. So. Uh, they could easily lose to Michigan, and then with at BYU at Nebraska, they could split those. That's ten and two. Right. And then there's prop, and then there's still probably going to the Big Ten championship game right. just at ten and two and under that ten and a half number. Exactly. So, um, okay, very good. We are uh, approaching the end here, and but we've got two uh, important conferences to discuss, and we'll uh, we'll go down south and start with the SEC. Um, 
I just want to, there's, you know, Alabama is so dominant every year. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on them. But with the, but I just yeah. thought it was worth noting that their number is 11 and a half. So Vegas is saying, do you think they're going to go 12 and 0 or do you think they lose once? Um, and I look at their schedule and I see, okay, Florida State week one. Boom. LSU at home and then add Auburn to, to close the year. And that, that's really it for me as far as games they could lose. Um, in spite of that, I would bet the under. If I were going to go into Mandalay Bay tomorrow and place a bet, what I would do is I would bet the under. And then, knowing that they only have to lose one for me to get that, what I would do is I would put in... Now, you'll have to know a little bit about gambling to follow me here, but I would put in a, an open slot parlay, mm-hmm. starting with the Florida State game, and I would bet Alabama money line in that game. And then if I lose the parlay, whatever, I won my under bet, which would be m- more than the parlay. And then I would put one or two open slots in the parlay, and I would fill them in as the season went on with Alabama money line on LSU and at Auburn. So those are the only three that I think might be like 10-point spread or less. And then if you lose – and then calculate it so that if you lose the under Mm -hmm. on them going 11.5 because they go 12-0, then hit your parlay and don't risk a lot to at least win back the money that you lost on the under. What do you think for strategy? Wow, that's great. (laughs) You put a lot of thought into that. So if, if 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 you know what all those terminologies mean, then you get what I was saying, hopefully. If not, just, you know. Bear with us. We'll, we'll be moving on in a second. Yeah. That, I mean, 11 and a half is a huge number. And, yes, open up Florida State. Gosh, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. But to Florida State's stacked this year. They are. I mean, they're a legit national title contender. The rest of the way through, yeah, LSU. You know, I'm not as worried about LSU, especially because it's at home. It's in Tuscaloosa. Um, and then Auburn, I mean, that's the only game that really outside of Florida State even remotely scares me. And so – I was so tempted if this was 11, well, certainly if it was 10 and a half, I would have been over. Sure. Going oh, under absolutely. Here. So I'm going under, same reason you talked about. We'll go it. ahead and throw this one on our list. Yeah, we'll add it on. Um, speaking of Alabama-Auburn, yep. um, another one of those, because football season's off-season is so terribly long, which is what makes football season so great. Um because of the scarcity, but right. um, so with people filling, you know, airtime and website articles and whatever else, another one that I read in the off season was, um, you know, like the twenty or you know twenty five greatest moments in college football. Some one of those mm-hmm. stupid lists, which I always fall for and read them. Hmm. Um, was the kick six the best college football moment you've ever seen, or? other not counting like your favorite team winning no no a game but yeah just as a as in totally non-biased hmm. i think that you could make the argument that it is because of the just the, the just how big of a game not only it is year in and year out but that year yeah in particular it was huge i've never if you told me a game would end that way i would have said that's some, you know, Steven Spielberg movie. It's crazy. <laughs> There's no way that's real. 
watching it, I'll tell you why I think it probably is because it, it's how many times I watched it. Yeah. And rewound it yeah. and made Kim come in the room and yeah, watch it. Exactly. Holy crap. But then I went on and I never do this, but I'm watching YouTube videos of other people reacting, people both reacting. Auburn fans yeah. and then Alabama fans. Like a guy ran through his screen door and jumped into a pool. I mean, like just amazing stuff that I guess it made me act a way I don't normally act. And so for that reason, I'd say it has to be. Yeah, like it's it, just unbelievable. And it's something you couldn't even write a script and, and have anyone believe it. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the heightened – everything Alabama was playing for. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything Alabama was playing – but also Auburn, obviously. Yeah. I mean, they want to go play for the national championship. Sure. But um, that stadium, that reaction, that yeah. – uh, I've never seen anything like and it. And having that been was, in that stadium for a really, really good football game – I know how loud it can be and how great of a place it is to watch a game, yeah. and, and just goosebumps were it definitely was happening all over the it place. Was, so. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good. That that that's a good argument. I mean, I I can't think off the top of my head of something that would be better because I can't think of how I've reacted any more emotionally than that to an outside of Syracuse, of course. Let's. Uh... I don't even know if I had them on the original list, but let's do Auburn just for fun. Yeah, um, you added it real quick towards oh, the okay, end. Good. So they're 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 uh, eight and a half is their over under. Yeah. Um, so we look at you know they open up at home against Georgia State. That's a win, although or actually Georgia Southern. I'm sorry, um, should be a win. Although they've had they tend to struggle with some of these early season Georgia Southern type. Auburn games. does that a lot. So I'm going to say it's a win because the next week they're at Clemson, and. That's tough. That's a brutal game. Um, but, you know, then they come back against Mercer, who um, I don't know if it's Ron Mercer. I don't know who that is, but something called Mercer. Um, and then they're at Mizzou, which I don't think Mizzou's going to be anything this year. Mississippi State, eh, that's at home. Mississippi's going to be, mm, we'll talk about them. Yep. But those are both at home. And then they're at LSU and at Arkansas. So I, I circled three games in a row with a bye week in between the Arkansas and Texas A&M game. But they have three straight road games at LSU, at Arkansas, at Texas A&M. That is pretty tough. Um, just because any road game in yeah, these environments yeah. is tough. Yep. I mean, certainly LSU is going to be a top you know, 15, 20 type team. Arkansas, another underachieving type team. Absolutely. But, but tough. And they always have, seem to have a game where they they jump. They've up won a year, like when they when they crushed Florida last year. Yeah, and then A and M we talked about earlier. I mean, again, they, you you could get a game from them as well that, that you could lose. Kind of some weird um, crossovers there from. Uh, well, no, not crossovers. Um, who's their crossover? Uh, SEC. Well, A and M, right? No, because they're both. Oh, last. right, 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 right. Um, uh, Georgia. George, that yeah. yeah, so they always do that every year though. They play every year. The the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Right. I think is how they build that one. Okay. Um but Georgia's a tough game too. It is. So it's at home with but it's a tough game. Um and then Louisiana Monroe and then of course Bama at home. So um, I struggled a lot with this one because there's so many opportunities for them to slip up. But I kind of feel like Gus Malzahn is another coach who who's his is it a tipping point here because Auburn should be better I, I really believe that they have less restrictions academically they're in a fertile <laughs> recruiting ground 
I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't be consistently winning nine to ten games. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt this year in some of these games because I know how much is at stake for them, and I'm going to go over the eight and a half. Um, I agree because they can lose at Clemson to Alabama and either at LSU or to Georgia and still go nine and three and cover. So I like it. Yeah, yeah cool. I think they might be. No, I think they probably are the second best team, if not in the SEC, certainly in that division. In the West, yeah. And I mean, LSU, although LSU can make that argument, but we don't know. I mean, who knows they're what's going to happen in LSU? They're we're going to talk about LSU. We're going to yeah. talk about them. Yeah. All right, let's also talk about uh, probably my favorite 90s college football team, Florida, Florida. Gators. Yeah. All right, so their number is uh, their number is eight. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot. Um, not a lot for a two-time defending division champ in the East. Um, despite that, I think Florida fans getting a little restless. Um, that kind of seems like their ceiling right now. Eight I, or nine wins, win the East, lose to Florida State, lose to Alabama in the championship game. Right. right? Yeah, that seems about right. Um, Coach hunts a shark. Yeah. Naked. I mean, whatever. Weird, weird stuff. Um, yeah. They lose badly to Florida State every year. Yeah. Uh, good stat. You've had some good ones tonight. Here's another one. Um, all four of their losses last year by ten or more. So hmm. they win. They they win plenty of games, but the losses to Alabama and Florida State and even that one at Arkansas last year tend to be bad. Um, defense lost a lot. You know, from these past couple division 2015, 2016 division winners, um, they've lost a lot to the NFL. I everything I understand about them, they they still have a really talented defense though. Yeah. Um, quarterback is an issue. Uh, Del Rio played a lot last year, but recovering from sh- shoulder surgery, I don't even know. I don't even know if, if he would be their starter anyway. Um, they've got the tough opener with Michigan. We talked about. Now, in their favor, um, schedule is. Uh, I mean, the the SEC schedules are generally pretty brutal. But what I like about their schedule, lots of home games. Yep. Lots of home games. They get Tennessee at home, mm-hmm. uh, LSU at home, A and M in a crossover at home. Mm-hmm. Georgia is obviously the um, Jacksonville. You know that's Jacksonville, but I, um, you know, and then. But it's not a road game. It's not a road game. Missouri, South Carolina aren't very. Those are on the road, but they're yeah. not very good. No. And then they get Florida State at home. Yeah. So. Fourteen returning starters. Uh, like we talked about, a lot of the defensive guys are gone. Only five returning starters on defense, but nine on offense. Now their offense just—I don't even—I don't know if that's good though because their offense has been so bad, uh, underwhelming certainly. So what do you think, looking at that schedule? So I—I um, I went push was my first, <laughs> and then I went under. Well, okay, good. So Michigan is going to be a loss. Yep. Uh, then they're gonna, you know, they'll beat Nichols, Tennessee. Now, you, know, you mentioned all the games that I kind of had circled too of the the toss up type games where, you know, I, I could see Tennessee coming into the swamp and winning, but I could also probably even easier see Tennessee lose that game, um, Florida winning it. So, I think where they're gonna trip up though, where I'm coming up with this eight and four, is, you know, the game. Um, I look at Texas A&M at home and LSU at home is kind of scary. Sure. Games, but but you know which one, I, I, and I'm going to really keep an eye on this because this is a team that I think is sneakily rising in the in the SEC at Kentucky. 
Mm. Yeah. Mm. Sam. I don't know. Sam, let's talk about that when the time comes. You and I over a beer. Okay. We'll watch that game. We'll talk about it more we'll tonight. Not watch it, but we'll. Yeah. We'll Just talk keep about it more tonight. But I'm going to go in under. I'm going to say they're going to go seven and five. Um, just because eight is just a flat number and it's it's tough because I had push initially. Eight and four sounds more reasonable. I'm going over. Yep. Because, because, I'm going over good. because uh, despite Tennessee finally beating Florida last year, uh, I, I don't think Tennessee and Georgia can beat Florida. Okay. I just, I just, I we'll talk about both of those actually. Let's. So, so you're gonna go under. I'm gonna go over. Um, not by much. I picture Florida going nine and three, maybe winning right. the East at nine and three, but I just don't think that. Uh, and and then those two games, um, those two games that that you said kind of scared you with A and M and LSU at home. Those are understandably scary, but if they beat UT and and Georgia, mm-hmm. then then maybe you know they, I guess. Uh, it's tough to say. It's it because it's it's those three in the East, right? Right. I mean, even though you think Kentucky's on the rise, and that's fine. But as far as who's gonna, I don't mean on the rise that they're gonna compete. I yeah. just mean they could win a game. They like could that. win a game. They could knock someone yeah. off. Yeah. But as far as who's gonna end up in Atlanta from the East, I think it comes down to Florida, Georgia, Tennessee. Like you know, normal, other than those couple weird Missouri years, but um. I think Florida's going to beat Tennessee and Georgia. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Georgia. So their yep. number, actually, Vegas um, disagrees with me. Vegas likes Georgia just slightly better than Florida because their number's eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, year two of Coach Kirby Smart, uh, really talented sophomore quarterback, Jacob Eason. I liked watching uh, some YouTube videos that were floating around of him uh, hitting guys uh, passing by on jet skis <laughs> with a football. Yeah. Um, I'll have to check that out. So – Interesting to see how he progresses because he lost a lot of offensive talent around him, um, and the line has to be rebuilt a little bit. Um, now defensively, this is pretty. This is pretty interesting. Seventeen returning starters, ten on defense, and this is weird. Um, like Phil Steele and some of the other places where I read these stats, one of them said eleven returning starters. I only went with ten because I couldn't find the. Right, I, I couldn't find yeah. who was the one guy in question. Yeah, <laughs> but either way, um, ten or eleven returning starters on defense. Um, now, I, I'll let you. Uh, I, I'll let you read about their schedule. I think it's a tough schedule. It is. I mean, App State at home, um, and we know that that's that's no that pushover. They should win the game, but it, they're, they should, they're but gonna have to show up. But they're they, gonna be challenged more be than challenged. you would think yeah. in week one for Tennessee them. was last year. They were absolutely were. Uh, then you're at Notre Dame, and I mean, hey, that's you never that's, know. You, you never know. Samford, um, not Stanford for those who aren't yeah. familiar. It's Samford, like Samford and Sons with an M. Um, Samford's kind of like the Stanford of the South, so. sort of. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't and know. sort of not at the same time. <laughs> I'm guessing their academic requirements are probably, also less. Probably not. Um, I think their mascot is a tin of tobacco or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, Mississippi that would be State. amazing <laughs> yeah. if the mascot was the like a, a smiley, skulls. like yeah. <laughs> if it was a tin with <laughs> arms and legs walking around the, the Sanford the Copenhagen schools. Yeah. Um, so Mississippi State at home. Uh, then you, then you have a little. Well, we talk about Tennessee, right? That's always a rivalry game for them. That's at Knoxville. Yep. Um, at Cocktail Vanderbilt party. is going to be 
you know, could be a challenge. I, I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know much about Vanderbilt this year, but I know that Vanderbilt – actually, I shouldn't say it's Vanderbilt as much as Georgia – seems to have a couple games a year where they should. Well, they always do. And, and then yeah. they don't. So yep. that could be one. Missouri at Vandy home. beat Georgia recently. They did. Right. Yeah. And I'd have to go back to find exactly was, what year. I don't know if it was I two years ago or what, but I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Mizzou at home. I don't think Mizzou's all that this year. No. Uh, a bye week before they play the cocktail party, if we're allowed to even call it that anymore. I'm not sure. We are. Um, and then South Carolina should be a win at Auburn. It's going to be a tough game. Um, and then Kentucky at home and then at Georgia Tech. At Georgia which, Tech's tough. Which too. is always tough. So eight and a half, right? So luckily they threw the half in for us, which makes this a little bit at least more black and white than Florida. I'm going to stick, though, similar to what I have with Florida. I'm going to go under because yeah, I don't too. think they're going to go 9-3. and three. Me too. Yep, that one was pretty easy for me. Yep. Um, and I'll, I'll be happy to be proven wrong and see them do better, but I just I don't see it. Not with that schedule. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, out west, LSU. Yeah. All right, LSU. So we had Florida 8, Georgia 8.5, eight and, and now LSU another half game up at 9. Mm-hmm. Um, Coach O. Yeah. Coach O finally gets the, the head coaching job that he – arguably deserves but yeah. um but still the still this you know okay so new coach but when you read about lsu um it's still the same really talented lsu roster but with no quarterback right um it's, it's kinda, unbelievable and it's and it's their mo for like 10 years since like post jamarcus era right um schedule for lsu starts a lot easier mm-hmm. but gets and it seems like this happens to LSU every year but gets just brutal down the stretch um, now not as many re- returning starters as some of the rest of the SEC mm-hmm. um, only six offense five defense but uh, I again outside of quarterback have a lot of faith in them to uh, to have a pretty talented roster and, and, and a lot of athletes certainly on the field now the schedule, um, BYU doesn't scare me. No. Nor does, obviously, Chattanooga. No. At Mississippi State is – they should win. But should. they But those two schools generally play um, some, uh, some pretty close games. Mm-hmm. I think nobody expected it the year that Dak took everybody by surprise when they beat LSU. Um, but right. – uh, Syracuse, right. um, we would like to see Syracuse be competitive. We don't expect it. Right. Uh, Troy. Mm-hmm. So again, this is this is this is lining up for them to go five and zero. Yep. Right. Yep. And then they go to Gainesville. Um. Back home for Auburn, at Ole Miss should mm, sort of LSU plays close games with both Mississippi schools. O- Ole Miss, not the Ole Miss we've seen the last three years. Yeah. But, um, Gosh, Alabama <laughs> at Tuscaloosa. Um, Arkansas plays LSU tough. Yep. It's a rivalry game. At UT. <clears throat> yep. LSU at UT uh, sounds like a great Saturday night game. Um, Having been to one. I was going to say. I can tell you that it is. And that, that was when Jamarcus the, is, scored with six seconds to go to, to win the game. That's when both that, Tennessee and LSU were top five. Or at, top ten, actually. Top ten. And that's when you took your – Girlfriend, now wife. Yep. And my brother and sister as well. And to say, yeah. look, I want you guys to experience college yeah. football at its best. <laughs> you took and them to an LSU-Tennessee night game. It was awesome. Um, great story. Um, but back to Florida this year, finishes with – or I'm sorry, LSU finishes with A&M. 
that's a this is another one i we've said this a lot today but with a number at nine this is the kind of schedule that you that you say yeah that sounds right i'd push nine and three and that's why i wrote push (laughs) um but we can't do that so uh so what do you think so i wrote push or under okay and i i think the talent is there as it usually is with lsu but not having a quarterback New coach, Coach O. I do like the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, that they yep. got from Pitt. I think he did a nice job at Pitt. And I it's think a good hire. It was a good hire for them. I just don't think it'll pay dividends until they get a quarterback. I mean, Pitt had a good quarterback last year, Nathan Peterman. LSU doesn't have one. So that's why I went under, really. I think their defense will keep them in a, in a lot of games. I think they're going to be competitive in every single game that they play. Uh, I just don't see them winning nine well, I could see them winning nine games, but we're not allowed to pick nine. Mm-hmm. I don't see them winning ten as much as I potentially would see them winning eight. Uh, okay. So, really for me, that's what it came down to. But I think my first inclination was push, similar to yours. Yeah. Um, you summed it up perfectly where you said you see them going eight and four a lot faster than you see them going ten and two. So, that's why you got to go under. Yep. Um, excited to see them. Now, I'm going to uh, – back to our coaching discussion – I'm going to say that Coach O is the exception to your rule that you would have absolutely wanted to play for Coach O. So I had a chance to meet him because a lot of people may not know that he was an assistant coach at Syracuse back during the Donovan McNabb years and responsible for a lot of the recruits that were part of those teams that that they had a lot of guys go pro over that four years. Sure, Um, He was not here all four years, but um, I had a chance to meet him and just a charismatic guy, the kind of guy that you would want to run through a brick wall That's, for, and I yeah. met him for five minutes. So um, I, I just – I wish him the best. I, I love the hire because he's a he's a, a Cajun through and through. I mean, he fits in right perfect down there. Um, it was a great hire. So I, I, I'm excited for, for them well, other than when they play Syracuse. If you, if you thought they had to make a change, it was a great hire. I'm not – And I'm not sure, so sure that they, they made either. the right decision with no. the change, but no. – um, I don't think they had. Well, that's well, we, had we could choice, talk about that for yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, I don't <laughs> they, wanna... That was botched as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad for him to get the opportunity, but the LSU athletic department didn't uh, didn't come out looking very good in that. No, they process. handled it horribly. So yeah, I mean, what, what more can you say about that? All right, let's talk about one of LSU's rivals briefly. Um, yep. If it's if you like college football and you follow the news, you you certainly know about um, Hugh Freeze, and no, mm-hmm. nobody's had a more tumultuous offseason than Ole Miss. Um, despite all of their problems, there is still some leftover roster talent yep. due to some strong recruiting, which who knows how legal all the recruiting was. But um, the number is a mere five and a half. Um, what I think is interesting about them is I think they're 3-0. and Going into um, Tuscaloosa. Well, they play, yeah, they play a couple directional schools yep. uh, from Texas and Cal. I, I, I expect that. Well, okay, I take that back. Cal is one of those Pac-12 says 10:30 start time uh, Eastern, but probably gonna. Who knows when it kicks off and how late it goes? But maybe something crazy happens there. I think they can go beat Cal. Um, so I think they can be three and zero coming in. You know, I kind of looked at it your way with. What are the wins? And right. I said, okay, I think they can be three and zero going into Tuscaloosa. Then it just gets brutal. It does, and you know, obviously at Bama, at Auburn, 
That's as tough That's, as any yeah. schedule in the country. But then you have Vandy at home. That you got to win that game. You have to beat Vandy at home if you're going to hit this number. Um, LSU at home. I mean, you mentioned it. Hey, LSU tends to play some of the Mississippi schools closer. Um, new coaching staff in Baton Rouge, so who knows what that'll look like. But but it's at home for Ole Miss. And I, by the way, part of my argument of why I came to the number I came to is they still have talent. Yeah. I don't care how they came about the talent because the kids are on the roster. That's who's going to line up and sure. buckle up the chin strap. So I, I think for the kids that they have, some of these games are a little more winnable. But that stretch at home, Vandy, LSU, Arkansas, they have to win two of those three games. Yeah. Because then you're at Kentucky, which is, in my opinion, again, I know I'm not I'm not here touting Kentucky, but I'm just saying it's not as easy as people think. Um, that could be a win and probably should be. Louisiana Lafayette is a win. And then you're, you know, two tough games. At home against Texas A&M, and then at Mississippi State, which is your rival. And it seems like that game always is just crazy. Yeah, and, and lots of you, and you never know. You just never know. There's right? years that I think one of them is clearly the better team, and then they, and they, and then they no show their biggest rivalry game. So you never. So know. yeah. So with all that being said, talent and uh, yes, there's a new coaching staff. Obviously, there's some there's some turmoil. I still think this team can go six and six, and I think that's about as good as it'll get for them. And that's why I'm going over. Okay, I'm gonna go under. Yep. That's uh that'll be, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what kind of if they if they go over it will be interesting to see uh, where they can be a spoiler. Yep. Whose season, who, you know who's you know who knows what's going to happen because we just assume Alabama's going to run a- away with the the sure. West, but maybe late in the year, Texas A and M or Miss State is playing not to win the West but to you know get themselves to nine wins and in contention right. for like a New Year's Six type of bowl or something and maybe Ole Miss knocks one of them off. That you know, it'll just be interesting to see yeah. how they how they do. Um one more SEC yeah. and uh this is one that uh mm-hmm. you you mentioned kinda vicariously being a, a Wisconsin fan through me. You were the first person I ever met that really liked Tennessee football. Yeah. And you talked about going to the um the night game there. And so I, I've always kinda Ever since I've known you, watched them a little bit closer. You and I were both happy they finally beat Florida last year. Yeah. Um, t- Tennessee, e- even if I wasn't necessarily a fan of them, I don't think you can uh, grow up our era uh, from late '80s and through the '90s of being like high school, college age, right, and not uh, get excited for the Florida Tennessee game. Oh my gosh! Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. for for several years since they play early in the year, typically. Yep. Uh, like all those years that Peyton Manning struggled against Florida, and uh, it's just it's such a game. I even when the programs are down, I, I get into it. So we had to put Tennessee on our list. Um, now, talk about hot seats for yeah. coaches. Um, Butch Jones. Now Butch Jones, I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tennessee's the champions of life, according to Butch Jones. Yeah. Um, uh, good. <laughs> no, no Josh Dobbs uh, mm-hmm. for the first time in forever. Still. For the uh, in-game co- coaching shortfalls, a pretty talented roster. They've got to figure out quarterback, but 14 mm-hmm. returning starters, seven offense, and def- seven defense. Um, schedule is interesting. I think Georgia. Yeah. T- I think Georgia Tech. Uh, if if Tennessee shows up this year to play like they did against App State, Georgia Tech will beat them. Yep. 
and then they have to go to Gainesville in week three. Yeah. So this team could, you know, one and two start not out of the question. Not out of the question at all. I mean, yeah, you, you touched on Georgia Tech. I think that's definitely an interesting game. And then, yes, at Florida, you have and to think that's a loss right now. I mean, they yeah. they have not proven, yeah. other than a miracle game last year where they, they came back, they, you know, they really haven't proven that they are consistently able to beat Florida, certainly at Florida. And that was looking bad. Remember how disgusted we were the first half oh, of that Tennessee-Florida? Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I look at it. You you talked about the hot seat. There is no coach on the hot seat that's hotter than Butch Jones. And, and my big contention with Tennessee, and it's actually similar in some ways to um, what we talked about with Nebraska, when Philip Fulmer was – let go, that to me was a huge mistake on their part. Tennessee was definitely yeah. trending downwards, but he, I think, had bought himself more time than what they gave him. They became impatient, and all of a sudden, you know, winning seven, eight games wasn't good enough anymore. And guess what they've done? They'd for be the mad past? at nine and three. Right. <laughs> well, they've won seven or eight games yeah. pretty consistently now. And they've also gone through a, a litany of bad coaching Gosh, hires. It's been, yeah. And, and I'm not, you know, and I think Butch Jones certainly is one of the bad hires, too. And so they need to they need to settle back down. And, and I, one of the things I love to talk about in business and then also when it comes to fan bases is emotional intelligence. Yep. And, and so you look at the EQ of some of these fan bases. Do they know who they are? Do they understand what they really are? And Tennessee is one of those huge potential schools out there that should be doing a lot better than they are. But their fan base, little probably over the top, and certainly the athletic department bowing to that fan base and yeah. getting rid of Phil, Philip Fulmer yep. when they shouldn't have. Um, it, it, I just, I think they just need to regroup because I don't think Bush Jones survives this season. Um, I'm giving away my my pick here at seven and a half games or seven and a half wins, but he doesn't survive. And what do they do next? Who is the right fit for Tennessee? Because I'll tell you right now, I see this as a huge opportunity in the SEC for somebody. Saban is going to step down at some point. Sometime. It's, it could be five years from now, but he's not going to be there forever. Now is the time for that second team to step up. No one else is stepping up. There is no good second team in the SEC right now, to me. Yeah. I mean, Alabama and the rest of the group, they're all going to bang it out for what, – what was the stat that we heard last year from the SEC that the next best team had three or four losses? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean – yeah. That is, some people can say, well, it's so competitive. No, I think I'd say they it's all, also I mediocre. They all, no, I think they all had four. Yeah, they all had four. The next so, best. So yeah. why why is now not the best time for someone to step up and be that second team that is positioning themselves to be the first team when Saban leaves? Because there's no way Alabama is going to sustain. And, he, and even the thing that the thing is, even if Saban sticks around for five or six years, Tennessee's in the East. Oh yeah, so, I agree. I mean, I'm so, saying let's to be number one in the ACC period, but totally agree that, yes, they're in the East. Who's going like, to step I, up? I just I, – I can't believe after the way they started their season last year yeah, that they didn't win the East. Yeah. Right. The way they crumbled down the stretch and guys was, start transferring in the middle of the season, right. it, it, was, it was a mess. Yeah. I mean, um, you can lose games, and that's a huge issue, obviously. But when that stuff starts happening in your program, that is a big red flag. And to me – that just adds more fuel to the fire of why he should be fired at the end of this season, if he even makes it through the season. Because look at his schedule. At Georgia Tech, it's a three-point – that's a toss-up, in my opinion. Yeah. 
Indiana State, they win. Florida, they're losing. I think they lose. Massachusetts, they're winning. Georgia, toss-up. That's mm-hmm. a rivalry game. South Carolina has played them tough, but luckily it's at home. They should win that. Then they're at Bama. That's a loss. Kentucky at Kentucky has – now, Kentucky yeah, <laughs> has I given know. them hell even yeah, in their good years. Yeah, I know. Southern Miss, uh, I don't know. You know. I mean, I know they've had some good teams in the past. I don't expect them to win this game. At Mizzou, Mizzou's garbage, but I think – You never know. You never know. Because you're now at this point in the season, the wheels could be completely off the tracks. Well, and, no, I, I think there's a great chance yeah. that after Tuscaloosa, they're three and four. Which I'm gonna and, put a, I'm gonna have to put another gold star next to this for my investment club yeah. <laughs> to go look at it. I, I think there's th- I, I, I think there's a great chance that uh, that they lose to both Georgias, Florida, and Alabama. And that puts him at three and four, and the three wins are not going to be that impressive. No. And then, like you said, at Kentucky, at Missouri, LSU still, you know, it, the wheels could really come off. Yeah. I, so You're we're we're, we're both going on. We're both going under there. Okay. Um, I I actually, I, I hate to. This is going to sound wrong. I actually think seven and five, which would be safe, would be under. I think it would actually be in a way a good season for them. Oh, because I because yeah. I could see it going worse. Um, oh yeah, and like like you said, if there's a coaching, if if the coach doesn't survive the season, who knows? Who yeah, knows? But if they start uh, off that three and four, they're done. I yeah. guarantee. If the kids were transferring last year, and they were actually having some modicum of success, yeah, what are they going to do this year when they're have a losing record halfway through the season and and the and the outrage <laughs> from the fan base oh, that they'll be, be hearing every day? Ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um. We are going to finish this up with the ACC, mm-hmm. and we did that specifically since we are uh, in Syracuse, home of an ACC uh, team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we'll sa- we'll save Syracuse for the end. But uh, let's do uh, Florida State is a is a clear favorite. Um, have a big number at ten and a half. Um, everybody expects a lot from them. Um, but we didn't uh, we didn't have them on our list mm-hmm. specifically um, because we wanted to give Clem we wanted to start with Clemson and give Clemson their due as the defending national champs. Um, so defending champs, college football playoffs the last couple of years, um, but minus Deshaun Watson to the NFL obviously. Um, but they have done such a good job with recruiting, uh, as evidenced by how well they've performed the last three or four years. So. Um, I think people still expect big things from them, um, and the schedule's pretty workable. The number's nine and a half, and uh, I'll, I'll let you start us off on Clemson uh, and, and talk about their schedule if you want. Yeah, so you talked about it a little bit. I mean, it's manageable. They have uh, opened up with Kent State at home, Auburn at home, which is going to be a tough game, but I think winnable for sure and should be a win for them. Um, there's a couple games that I've, I've circled – uh, as Auburn's going to be a fight, though. It's going to be a fight, and that's one of the key games that I've circled. Obviously, Florida State is one is one as well. Um, they luckily get them at home. They get them at home, but there's a couple other ones that 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 will that kind of aided me in coming to my decision on where they are at this nine and a half number. One is at Louisville, which Louisville showed last year that they are capable of of really laying it on against a top team. Now, the way they play towards the end of the year, and we're going to get into them later, is a concern. But at Virginia Tech, now, this is a crossover game for Clemson. Yep. 
they haven't I don't remember the last time Clemson played at Virginia Tech. And I don't know, you know, what experience they've had against Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech to me is a team that is definitely, you know, potentially an up and coming team with um, you know, with Fuente uh, taking over here the, in year two. Virginia Tech's loaded on defense. They are. But also probably starting a true freshman quarterback. Yep. True. And and Clemson's defense, you know, should be should be pretty pretty solid. Um, I think it's going to be really good. The secondary good. is going to be their issue. But, yeah. but up front, they're, but up front, they're, they're in really good shape. If a freshman quarterback for Virginia Tech who can't throw the ball, True. then forget <laughs> it. Secondary doesn't matter. Uh, but there's – so there's some games, right? Here's my thing with, with the Clemson. And they they lost to Pitt at home last year, right? Yep. And Pitt certainly is a was a pretty pretty good they're, team. They're, they're formidable. Okay. They should have lost two games last year. The NC State. Exactly. Where they have to go play at. And they're going to NC State. Now, NC State has had some issues of their own. They had some of their top players that now are suspended and kicked off the team um, on defense mostly. But it's still going to be – I think NC State's one of those sneaky, tough teams, and it's on the road. So now your choice at 9.5 is they're either going to go 10-2 and or they're going to go 9-3. and I look at their schedule. I think they're going to go under, right? That's my opinion. So I think that you're going to have a loss. You could lose Auburn. You could lose Louisville. You could lose Virginia Tech. You're going to lose probably to Florida State. There's When there's four potential losses on the schedule for me, and two is the over, mm-hmm. and three is the under, I'm going to go with the under on this one just because I think that people seem to lose sight of the fact that they pretty much lost two games last year. True, and that was their best foot forward. This year, they're going to take a slight step back with a new quarterback, a new running back. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go under, and I don't, you know, here's another team by the way that I don't hate. Yeah, because I love Same. Dabo. Yeah. Now there's a guy that he's corny, there's a guy that you want to play but for. I totally would play for. Yeah. Because he he's corny in a lot of ways where you know he's a goofy guy, but I like it. And then there's other corny guys like Gundy that I just don't like it. Yeah. But but Dabo's the kind of guy that I could see you just would want to run through the wall for. Uh, well, he anyway. also um, he also when you grow up playing football and it's the it's the ultimate like brotherhood sport. Yeah. And family and and it just seems like the culture he's established there. Yeah. Uh, with these kids, it just he's just done a remarkable job. And uh, how about how about this for a, for a compliment for him? Uh, you know, I think he's, you know, as we get older now and have kids, um, you know, he's the kind that if you had a kid that was good enough to go play division one college football, absolutely, I, I don't think there's anyone you would choose over Dabo to send your kid to. That's a great point. You would, you would have the utmost confidence sending I would. someone you care about to go play in that program. So, um, okay. So here's my thing with the, with the five that I picked as like kind of losable games or Auburn at Louisville at tech mm-hmm. at NC state and then Florida state. And then here's what I wrote after that. But I can easily picture them winning each one of those. Sure. Um, That's why it's a gamble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just m- – most of them as I write up the the losable games and I think about the matchups and I think about – you know, you pointed out a good thing with when's the last time they played at Virginia Tech and you, know, you think about the rivalries and who has better home field, all of these things you think about. Most of the time I talk myself into the under mm-hmm. when the schedule looks kind of daunting. And this time I, I just – I didn't do that. Um, yes, Florida State is going to be really tough. 
But since I'm not sold on Louisville, and I'm not sold on Virginia Tech, and NC State is sneaky good, mm-hmm. but I, I, I'm, I'm going to go over on this one. So I, I think 10 and 2 is possible. Um, okay. It's definitely possible. It's, that's well, why I get it. It all is. But, so uh, you're going over. I'm okay. going, so you're going under, I'm going yep, over. Um, all right, let's, let's move to Louisville. Yeah. Um, their number also pretty high, not mm-hmm. as high as Clemson's, but at nine even. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Bobby Bobby Petrino comes back. He's got his. Uh, I love when the when the Heisman is returning. I think that's so much fun when you when you've got a Heisman coming back to potentially defend his Heisman champion mm-hmm. trophy. Yeah. Um, but they only bring back five offensive starters total, mm-hmm. only twelve for the whole team, and. I think it's pretty safe to say the offensive line was exposed badly last year when they struggled um, against Houston. Like the Houston game was was just was awful. And that um, was with a good offensive line, better than what better than what we think it'll be year. now. Right. Um, right. Good point. So as I so you know so the the losable games here in the schedule for me I thought were at UNC. Yep. Obviously Clemson. Mm-hmm. Uh, at NC State, mm-hmm. and then certainly at Florida State. Um, God, Louisville at Florida State's gonna be really interesting with the way Florida State just got their asses handed to them by Louisville last yeah. year. Um, they could return the favor, I believe. This yeah. Year. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so I, so I'm an, I was initially thinking under, and I I kind of had just with limited starters coming back, uh, the way that last year did not end well for them. Um, but then I started thinking, am I underrating Louisville because of all of that? And I don't know. So what did you think when you looked at the schedule? You just you totally – I'm looking at my notes, and everything you just said is exactly what I had as far as top three receivers are gone, rebuilding an offensive line. And that offensive line last year was better than what I suspect it would be this year. Last year they gave up 47 sacks and 83 tackles for loss. Ooh. That's a lot. Now, granted, Especially with a lot the of mobile quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, and you got, and a lot of that probably came towards the end of the season because they they were playing so well in the beginning. New defensive coordinator, so Todd Grantham has moved on yep. to Mississippi State. Um, nine starters, you mentioned. Uh, well, where I read, they had nine starters returning, but seven, nine, whatever. Okay. Um, so here's the issue I have. I I thought, am, okay, am I underrating them? One of the other issues that doesn't get talked about last year with them was they turned the ball over a ton last year. They had 30 fumbles compared to 17 for their opponents. They lost 22 of them. Their opponents only lost 10. They have to get out to a quick start in in these games. So first quarter scoring, you look at that, Louisville was 139 to 57 versus their opponents. Um, And then rushing touchdowns, Louisville ran, they had so many, they had 37 rushing touchdowns. A lot of that obviously is because of Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. I look at all that stuff and I think all that comes back to, well, at least running the ball and turnovers comes back a lot of times to the offensive line. Can you protect? Can you run the ball? I don't think they're going to be able to do it this year. And I like, I, I, I do believe that there is a trajectory from last season, mm-hmm. the last half of the season when they completely fell apart. Yep. I don't believe that they're just going to turn it around like that. I think I am going to take the under. Yeah, me too. And their schedule, I easily see four losses, three for sure, maybe four. Because, I mean, 
what, why why should we be led to believe that they're they're gonna go ten and two? They yeah. haven't proven it. That's yeah, I agree. They, so they they should have lost to Virginia last year. Right. Remember oh that my gosh, one? Yeah, that's Remember right. That one? Yeah, yeah. That I mean, took a, a a miracle uh yeah. Lamar Jackson uh touchdown throw late, I believe. Yeah. Um they uh the Houston game was terrible. The uh that Kentucky was game was awful. Yeah. There, there's your Kentucky Wildcats. Right. Um so yeah. yeah, I this one I you one of these that was a 9 earlier and you I forget which one and you said I can just picture 8 and 4 a lot better than 10 and 2 and that's how I feel about this one. So Yeah. Um agree. Okay, let's talk about earlier. I was talking about how if you uh, if you grew up in the '90s, it's hard not to uh, get excited for Florida and uh, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Miami certainly a staple of ours from the '80s and '90s. Um, and now uh, Mark Rick back for uh, year two, which uh, I put in my notes that Georgia may or may not regret about six months from now. Um, he has fixed recruiting there in a hurry, so they. They returned 15 starters, seven on offense, eight on defense. Um, on defense, the front seven is loaded. Secondary is a little bit rebuilt. Um, mm-hmm. But is it enough talent this fast to uh, to recruit f- or to compete for an ACC title? I don't know. Um, they they play by far in the weaker ACC division. Right. Um, Vegas has set it pretty high for them at nine, I think. Um, since Miami has underachieved for several years. Um, they're possibly starting a true freshman quarterback. Um, I, would, I would imagine they're going to have a couple different quarterbacks play this year. Um, so there's lots to like, but also lots to be cautious about. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Florida State is tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at UNC. Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech, Notre Dame. And then at Pitt later is kind of sneaky tough. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so at nine, what do you think? So I look at their schedule, and I think you mentioned their their beginning part at FSU. Um, they have a game at Duke, so they play five games before their bye week, and they should be four and one going into that. Mm-hmm. And a loss to Florida State does nothing to derail their. ACC championship hopes because, as you mentioned, they're on two different sides of the yep. of the uh, ledger. Then after the bye week, they play Georgia Tech at home, Syracuse at home. Should win those games. At UNC, definitely going to be a tough game. Um, Vatek is at home. Notre Dame's at home. UVA's at home. That's a big stretch for them. But, but three, my opinion, winnable games at Pitt is going to be tough. I... I think one of the best hires in the last few years has been Mark Rick. Okay. And I 100% not only think but also hope that University of Georgia looks back and regrets that they ever did that. Because I've talked about Philip Fulmer. This is Philip Fulmer on steroids yeah. that they got rid of. This guy was consistently winning 10 games a year. Sure. And, and who the heck does Georgia think that they ever were prior to that? Yeah. Outside of Herschel Walker – I mean, and and then when they won it, what was it? He won it in 1981 or whatever. What the hell have they ever done? Yeah. And they've always been a, a decent team, and they they certainly are in a great recruiting ground. But what have they ever done? Every day, all the success that they've had consistently came from Mark Rick, other than a few years with Vince Dooley. So, I I am going to go over. Part of it is an emotional thing because I am a huge fan of Mark Rick. I love what he's doing at Miami. I think they are going to be back on track starting this year. The schedule is tough. 
But I look at those games and I say I can see them going. Uh, I can see them going ten and two, um, more than eight and four right now. I know there's a lot of variables and part of this is emotion, but I'm I'm just all on board with what he's doing and what they're doing down there. I think it was a great hire, and I think he's going to have him turned around real quick. I agree with everything you said, uh, especially the part about Georgia and that you hope that they regret it. Um, Mark Richt at Georgia last, uh, I believe, the last time that the SEC East champion was even remotely competitive in the SEC championship game. Yep. Yeah. The one when it came down to that final play. Right. Um, so, uh, but I go under here just yeah. because I still think they're a year away and the quarterback situation kind of scares me a little bit. Absolutely. But I, but I, I but I, but I yeah. love, I, but I love what he's done in a real hurry there. Yeah. Um, okay. We have one more and, uh, and some people in other parts of the country may not listen to this. Um, but we have to, because we are season ticket holders. That's so, right. uh, Syracuse comes in at, uh. They they have the distinction of being the team we're talking about tonight that has the lowest uh, mm-hmm. over under at four and a half, um, but there are some good storylines. It's uh, year two for Coach Dino Babers. Uh, they have the most returning starters of any team in the country. Yeah, the country, Kevin, twenty, twenty, including all eleven that on the defense. Can't be a bad thing, right? <laughs> can't be bad at all. And the thing is, everyone's back, but they're still kind of young. So that's right. really weird. Um, it is. So, uh, so next, so at this time next year, we could be talking about them even, uh, you know, being more excited. But, mm-hmm. um, but still, some reasons to be excited. Um, now, the schedule. Um, <laughs> on the one hand, they could open up three and zero. Although MTSU is really not a sure thing, so I shouldn't even think that far in advance. But then it gets pretty awful. Um, I think I've seen in a lot of places. Syracuse rated the toughest schedule yeah. in the country. Yep. Um, I'll let you talk about it some more. We've got a lot of tough road games. <laughs> yeah. Tough road games. I mean, tough road games. Syracuse obviously playing in the in uh, in the, in this division of the ACC where it's arguably as competitive it's, as it's any. with the Big Ten East. It is, really. yeah. And so that part of the schedule every year, you know you're, you're going to be battling Clemson, Florida State, Louisville. And even NC State. Yeah, no, NC State. Um, but then Syracuse has never been afraid to step out of conference and play a big, which is awesome. school. And and even as a kid growing up, um, I can tell you how many games in the Dome I've been to over the years. I've seen Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Ohio State, Nebraska, Michigan Florida. State. I've seen Michigan. I've seen Tennessee. I mean, I could go on and on. Syracuse, and obviously Syracuse had to return the favor to all those schools. They're not afraid to play anybody. Unfortunately, right now, it might be to their detriment and has been probably for the last few years where they're still trying to rebuild and they, they seem to just keep getting knocked down a little bit. Yep. This year is going to be no different, but the only difference this year I feel, and maybe you do too, Sam, is a sense of hope for the future. Um, for me, I, I like the Dino Babish hire. Um, Syracuse for years, you know, obviously as most people know, plays in the Carrier Dome, a controlled environment. They have the opportunity to be to turn these games into a track meet. You know, they have to kind of be different. They're not getting the recruits like a Michigan, a Penn State, a Wisconsin. They're, you know, they have to do different things, uh, kind of like Oregon. Sure. When you look at how Oregon came into the picture, they had to be different because what was Oregon football prior to that? Syracuse had a better football history than Oregon. Yeah. 
So they've done this, and this is what people wanted, and we have to be patient. They open up with Central Connecticut State. That's clearly going to be a win. Um, Middle Tennessee just scares the bejesus out of me. So let's say that's a 50-50 game. Um, But, you know, we'll we'll come back to that. Central Michigan, they should win. They should win that one. But then you, you come into the part that you talked about, Sam. You're at LSU. You're at NC State. Those are two probable losses, in my opinion. Um, then you have – now you talk about some swing games here. Again, the number is four and a half, right? We talked about that. Pitt at home. Pitt has owned us over the last decade plus. We have to beat Pitt. Yeah. This has to be the year that we do it. Because the next week we have Clemson on a Friday night at the Dome. Friday night. Now, if Syracuse— Friday the 13th, I think. Friday, yeah. So if, let's just say, let's play the, the fun what-if game. Okay. Syracuse starts off 3-0, and then they're 3-2, and but then they're 4-2 and after beating Pitt. 4-2 with four and two with four Clemson, and two with Clemson coming in on a Friday night. That could be something. Be I'm not saying they're going to win, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Right? So then they're at Miami, who I just talked about. Clearly, I have Miami winning that game because I have them winning 10 games. Um, that's going to be tough. Then they have a bye week. Then they're at Florida State. I mean, yeah. it's brutal. That's, that's a brutal. Clemson, Miami, Florida State, right in a row. Yeah. Uh, there's nowhere I can't think of a tougher three games for anybody in the country. But here's where here's where the 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 rubber is going to meet the road for my pick. Wake at Louisville. That's going to be probably a loss. But Wake and BC at home. Two of the last three. They have to win two of the last three games at home and beat Pitt. And then you're going to get your other two wins somewhere up. Up in the top here, I have them over, and I also have in my investment club have put my money where my mouth is that they're going to go five and seven. And for me, if they go five and seven and make a bowl game, the recruiting right now is is really picked up. Syracuse. Will they make a bowl game at five and seven? I'm just saying, what if? Okay, right? Because there's they a could chance be one of they're the, eligible. They could be one, one of those, those schools, schools that are academically yeah. and academic good standing, and then which yeah. they should be. Yeah. Um, but if they if they go five and seven and if they make a bowl, that's Gosh, great. That'd be great. I mean, for that'd recruiting, they're doing so well right now in the in the off season with recruiting for next year. I mean, How they're, they're in the, the top practice? forty. Just you like oh, now you now totally now when yeah. you were now when you were now in Division two you played in playoffs. We had playoffs, so yeah. so totally different than um, bowls, but similar in that if you're still playing, you're going to practice. So how valuable is that for the program as opposed to just playing your last game in November and saying, all right, see you guys whenever yeah. I see you. Um, how important is that month? It's huge, especially right now for this program because they're so young. They're, I mean, that can't be understated how young this team is. When you look at that, the top, um, you know, the, the, the two deep when it comes out on game day, it's going to be loaded with – sophomores and juniors and and a few redshirt freshmen thrown in they need that extra time yeah. to learn this tampa two on defense and then to learn the the offense continue to learn the offense um i think for any team though it's valuable because it, it gives you a chance to to bring up the next you know what they do a lot of times is, is you know you, you practice of course to play whoever you're playing when it's a bowl game, it's different in the playoffs because then you're just practicing every week like it's a game week, and you can't do this in Division Two and Division Three. But, but in Division One, you can you can use that time to to have the the younger kids practice, and the, the seniors sure. they're not doing as much. 
Yeah, but it's you prep and then you know pretty much have a game week and that's it. Yeah. So it gives the kids time and I just think it's great. Um, but also it gets your name out there and and hey Syracuse made a bowl and it gets recruits excited and um, I just think they have so much momentum right now. It, it's important for them to be able to to build on that. So if they can win five games, which I think they can. With this schedule, I think that's great, and it really sets them up next year. I, I believe this team will be a seven or eight win team next year. Okay, and I would, which is a invest, which is, investment which is, club. It, if that was that's a that's a that's a nice leap for them, and I I certainly hope that happens. Um, yeah, you mentioned playing in a Tampa two defense. Do you think when you play in the same division as Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, <laughs> is that uh, is that is that the right defense because, and for those of you who don't know, um, predicated on two deep safeties and keeping everything in front of you, bend but don't break. Right. Um, so at least force them to march down the field, mm -hmm. longer drives. You've got to earn it. We're not going to let you get over the top. And when you're playing uh, those three and some years Miami in the crossover game, you when you're playing those kind of teams right. with that kind of explosiveness, um, for someone like Syracuse right now, Tampa 2 probably the right decision right? because you want to do the best you can to keep everything in front of you. Yeah. I mean, ideally, everyone would love for their team to be able to just mat line up man-to-man -man and, and go head-to-head -head and be competitive. Syracuse can't do that. We don't have the players. And certainly against Clemson, Miami, Florida State, Louisville, even NC State, you know, athlete-to-athlete, -athlete, we just don't have that yet, and maybe mm -hmm. we never will. I mean, you you remember back in the '80s and, and '90s when Syracuse was consistently going to yeah. bowl games and and really competitive Had players. They played a ton of zone, yeah, a ton of zone, and it was frustrating at times because teams would just pick them apart, but they didn't break. That was yeah. the difference, and that's why they were going undefeated and doing different things. They have to do it. It's out of necessity, yeah. and and I I don't like it, but I know we have to. Yeah. Again, it comes down to that understanding we are who they thought they were what all that whatever yeah. that stuff we are who you have to understand who's on the field we don't sure. have what are Deion your limitations out there. And, yeah so we these our limitations are that we don't have corners or safeties that can really match up one on one yeah. with some of these receivers and we certainly don't have a defensive line that can handle some of the offensive lines right now cuz when i when i in my analysis i mean the defensive line if there is even one injury it's going to be devastating because it's already super thin as it is, and we yeah. gave up so much rushing uh, rushing yards last year. They got shredded. It got shredded. Um, and also generating sacks and generating pressure, our defensive line even last year when we had better talent on the defensive line didn't do it. Uh, our opponents had 38 sacks. We had 16. Mm. That's not good. Yeah. Um, we also have to limit penalties, though, too, because that, that was another area where we shot ourselves in the foot. We have no margin for error. Is my is my point right now? Can this schedule? Can the quarterback stay healthy? Well, that's and that's I wrote no injuries in huge words, yeah. and that goes for everyone. I mean, there's there's talent, there's ACC talent here and there. We're gonna get there eventually, but we don't have a backup that is an ACC talent. Yeah, at quarterback, at running back, at wide receiver, yeah. and especially no, in, in the interior, they don't line. have Florida State depth. Um, so you so but you but you feel good enough uh, about five wins, and uh, 
in the, yeah, in the, in look at last year. The Virginia Tech game is the one I go back to where it was the sneaky. Got, yeah. They, you know, they didn't know. It's, it's not their fault. Yep. They didn't. Not know. their fault. They didn't know. <laughs> well, we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna have one of those games. I don't think we're gonna beat. You know, uh, a Virginia Tech type team, which in this case would be like Miami, Miami, or Clemson, the closest, or, you know, probably. But yeah, I mean that would be the closest. But I think we're gonna beat the teams that you might say, "Hey, Middle Tennessee State, that's a scary game." Hey, we have to win that game. That's really key is mindset, and that's our Virginia Tech going into that game. Is yeah. um, and that's and that's something where you know hopefully the coaching staff can uh, figure that out. But uh, the mindset to take MTSU really seriously because yeah. they're good, they are. <laughs> but also the mindset that we're the Power Five team, right? And they're coming here, and we have to win this game. Yeah, and so. Totally so getting bo- getting them on both that dual mindset of we take them completely seriously, but we also expect to right. win. Yeah, you know that's a big deal. Absolutely. Um, even even with Central Michigan, I'm mo- I'm yeah. much more scared of MTSU, but early on in the season they they've just th- those two they've got to take them both seriously. Um, they do. They have to win those, and then they have to beat the Pit, the Wake, the BC. You know some some combination. BC I feel the best about. Yeah, because it's at home. Wake, I feel good about too at home. At home, um, you know, because they lost to Wake last year, and yeah. they shouldn't have. And and but Wake they're, had, they're Wake not going to be. Wake had a decent defense last year. They did, and they had that little white running back who yeah. just nickel and dimed us to death. Yeah, it was a that game. game. Now that was a sloppy game. It was a sloppy <laughs> game. But you know, they're not going to. I mean, you look again here. Big names: LSU, NC State, Clemson, Miami, Florida State, Louisville. They're not going to win any of those games. They have to win to get to the five. One, two, three, four, five. So there's really six, in my opinion, like six opportunities to win five games. Yeah, they're gonna have to go five and one in the other. Yeah, if they six. if they're fortunate enough to start three and zero, oh, they've got to still win two out of three with the Pitt, Wake, BC. And it could be a funny season where they go. Let's say they go three and zero, oh, and then their next maybe they beat Pitt, but their next couple wins may not be towards like the last two weeks yeah, of the two season, of the last two three, last three weeks yeah. of the season. Yeah. So they start out three and zero oh, and go two and one. Probably out of the question. So people just have to, you know, hey, if, I mean, Louisville, if Louisville's in a free fall, you never know. You never know. That's true. But people need to be patient. And again, I think one of the worst fan bases for doing that is Syracuse. Um, because mostly, yeah. I think, honestly, I think a lot of fans just don't understand football here Agreed. locally. Yeah. They just, a lot of bandwagon fans and, and a lot of people who just don't get it. But I think that, and if you, you want to talk about low emotional intelligence, of what their team is, it's here in Syracuse for football. People are still thinking Jim Brown and Ernie Davis and Don McPherson and yeah, you hear a lot Donovan McNabb are going to walk through the door. And those I hear great. that I hear that a lot. You hear it from people who just don't get where yeah. we are right now. I mean, I love talking about those days, and I was obviously, you know, growing up during that time with the '80s and '90s. But but it's not that way now. College football is different. Our recruiting it's, footprint it's is different. different. And we need to take advantage of, of what we have. Our biggest asset is the dome. Okay. And that's what we have. We need to, if it's if it's packed to the rafters, it's one of the loudest stadiums in the country. The only way you're going to get that around here is if you win. Because people don't show up like in Nebraska where they could win four games or win 12 and games and there's still 85,000 yeah. people there. So we have to win and then the other things will happen. Um, so you, to your point, uh, that's why going... Possibly, if they could beat Pitt, going 
six four and, six. and two. Well, <laughs> yeah. but being four and two going into the Clemson, Clemson Friday game. night national TV game, yeah, being four and two is so important because even if you get worked, yeah, if you can at least generate some excitement around town about being the national game, yeah, four and two, yeah, and Clemson, who knows how good their record is coming to town, yeah, defending national champs. Mm. The one thing about Syracuse is they hop on board for big events. They so hop on at, board fast. Like, like <laughs> they the also AHL, jump off fast. <laughs> exactly. Well, like you look at the setting the basketball year, records yeah. and setting the hockey attendance records. Like people do that. That's where Syracuse has all these things. But I'd rather have it be that we're just consistently selling 49,000 seats well, for too. a football game and, <laughs> you know, whatever for basketball. And not have Penn State fans. And not have <laughs> half of them be Penn State fans. Exactly. That was – in my time, go, going on about a decade now of a season ticket holder, you've been to a lot more games than I have, but uh, that was the most crowded I've ever seen the Dome. But the problem is it was half Penn State fans. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't used to be that way. When we used to play them in the 80s, it would be certainly a lot of them because it's easy. Because they're going to travel. They're from everywhere. But it would be, you know, or if we were playing like when we played Texas and we played Oklahoma, they're not bringing 10,000 fans. Well, then they might bring 1,000. But it, it's all Syracuse fans. And that's how it used to be. Yeah. But now if we played – like when we played LSU, even a couple of years ago, there was like five or six thousand LSU fans the here. LSU home still wasn't full. Yeah, LSU, I was and impressed. They brought a lot of no. That yeah. that was one of the better. It was a loss, but it was one of the better right. Syracuse games of the last three four years. Um. Anyway, what do you right. think? I think I was gonna go under, but I you talked me into it. I'm gonna go over. All right. I I hope we're both right. I'm gonna go over and uh, and we'll we'll see how that. I'm nervous about it, obviously. Well, of um, course. I'm gonna feel if they. I, I'll tell you this much: if they beat MTSU, I'm gonna feel so good about it. Yeah. If they beat yeah. MTSU. I'm gonna feel so good about it. If they lose, it's pretty much over. Yeah. Oh well, I don't know. I think I just think. But remember, the, I just they only have to win w- five games. True. So they could lose that game and still beat Central Michigan, Pitt. Wake NBC and still win five games. True. Here's why I think the MTSU game is so important. Um, because last year, and I assume they're going to come in with a similar mindset this year, uh, MTSU put up points on good teams. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, no, they're the, the real teams. deal. Yeah. I mean, they're a real deal um, group of five team. And that's kind of how Syracuse wants to play. So that could be a shootout. And I want to see Syracuse outlast someone with comparable talent right. and a similar mindset. Yep. And but Syracuse is at home. Can they? They can and should win that game. Can and should. Interesting side note about the game that you and I have talked about, but other people may not yeah. know, is that while MTSU has a very potent offense, their defense is going to be led by from the coaching side, yep. Scott Schaefer. Yeah. And then his former Syracuse head coach. So, um, you know, what will he do from his approach? And, and the one thing when Scott Schaefer was here, when he was the defensive coordinator under Doug Marone, and then when he was the head coach, he had success in shutting down spread offense teams. Yeah. Like when West Virginia, remember when West Virginia came in as a top the, the Friday night team? Game. That was a Friday Syracuse night game, wasn't it? Pounded. Or th- it might have been a Thursday night game. No, it was a Friday night game. It was, game. okay. And Syracuse pounded them. Yeah, and shut down. Geno that was like Smith 2011, there. I want to say. It was around that time. Yeah, yeah. 2011. Yeah, so it was right he's after had West, success. It was right after Syracuse had announced their move, I think. Yeah, and then West Virginia 
had some not so nice comments about Syracuse right. leaving and oh, how Navy luck. was going to be a better uh, yeah. addition to yeah. <laughs> to the conference in Syracuse anyway. Of course, they and took their first chance to, to leave too when they, they yeah, had it. They but, did yeah. Well, but, but just interesting side note for the game, something to pay attention to. What what will he do? He liked the blitz, so in Dungey obviously is vulnerable, so will they go after him? I, I think they should and probably will. Um, but he's had success in shutting down these spread teams, so something yeah. to keep in mind. But let's hope for the best, and we'll see what happens. I would love to uh, see his. Uh, I, w- I would love to see a close game and see his defensive players play well because I like Coach Schaefer a lot. Coach but Schaefer. have Syracuse yeah. still win a close game. <laughs> Talk about another guy that I'd run through a brick wall for. It's Coach Schaefer. He I was. Him. I was. Uh, I, I was sad to uh, yep. to lose him. Not that I'm not excited about a, a, a new, different era and direction because I am. Yeah. But sad to uh, sad to lose him. I thought he was everything that was you know right. He was college football, and he was right. He was perfect for here because he's yes. the kind of guy that would have stayed here for twenty years. Yeah, you know. And it, I wish that he had gotten another year. I wish that the circumstances that he was hired under were different because he really was under the gun. And I don't think it was fair. Not that anybody had control over it, but you know, Doug Marone bolting for the Bills, and then you know he's trying to clean up a recruiting mess and. Yeah. Kids are bolting, and I really wish it would have worked out. He would have been the perfect coach for Syracuse. But yeah. here we are, and uh, and ready to move forward with another season. So okay, so we're gonna go over on their four and a half, and yep. uh, and and I think we I think we gave it some good optimism there. So yeah, uh, despite despite this brutal brutal schedule, brutal. So yeah, um, but you know what? The thing about college football that's awesome is as we went through this. Very few Wisconsin, maybe there were there were a couple where we said pretty pretty nice schedule. For the most part, we we, we broke it down. We said we said that a lot. You know, brutal schedule, tough schedule, tough yeah. tough finish, tough tough down the home stretch. You know, we said that kind of stuff a lot, and it wasn't just cliche. It was it's true. Yeah, it's the best regular season sport ever. Yeah. And uh, and it's and it can't get here soon enough. And luckily, it sort of did two days yeah. ago. And the real um, deal starts Thursday, Thursday night. Thursday yep. night. And uh, gosh, Alabama, Florida State on Saturday. That's gonna be amazing. That's amazing. Okay, Kevin, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks we'll for having me. We have you uh, a bunch more. You're kind of a you know you're an important guy, kind of a mover and shaker. You're not around town that much, <laughs> so. Uh, so we get you on whenever we can. I appreciate you, any opportunity um, to be you, here. And you have zero social media presence, so this is the only way for people to hear you. Well, I am on LinkedIn. So if anybody wants okay. to connect <laughs> with me on LinkedIn, I'm on there. Okay, very good. Yeah. All right. Uh, that is excellent. Uh, good job. We gave you guys <laughs> a lot of content. I might have set a record, which is a lot for me. Um, but uh, hopefully this helped you with your over-unders, and we will be back next week. All right.